0: They make you laugh if they make.
1: Don't tell me it's Archangel Michael's feast day. Don't tell me it's it's the same thing I was saying, like with the 68 days of the TSA thing. I'm like, this can't, you know. And I go to look it up and I'm like, oh shit, it's the fucking day.
2: Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America show. We are going to be chatting with David Charles Platt a little bit later. About um synchronicity and all sorts of fun stuff along those general lines. Uh great chat, David was a blast. And uh we're gonna get into some other fun stuff in the intro here first. But first, as always, Ram nasa Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Good, good, how you doing? Good. Yeah.
3: Yeah, this was a great chat with David. David Charles. Yeah, it was one of those unexpected ones where we got into a bunch of stuff and i Learned had a couple light bulbs go off and learned a few things. That was good.
2: Yeah, it was a fun one for sure.
3: Yeah, we got lots of good feedback. Sometimes what we do is uh, on the intros here. You can skip forward to the interview if you want. We have a timestamp in the show notes, right, Darren? Yeah, uh, you can
2: actually just hit skip, or you have a skip button. I'll Next put a button. chapter on, mark. Now.
3: Cha- chapter mark. Oh, That's good. Um. But we get listeners involved. We share their emails and Probably some of their stories. Probably
2: doesn't work on a shitty iTunes fucking player, though.
3: Social media stuff. Um, synchronicities, UFO quotes, jingles, all, all that kind of stuff, just to you know, to get it off our chest, I guess.
4: There
3: you go. Yeah. So we got lots of good feedback from uh, Craig's episode, Craig Flowers. Did you?
2: Yeah. That's good. Yeah. No negative feedback, anyway. No. Pretty. No. Yeah. Um,
3: and, but I'm waiting for an email uh, from a guy or sort of authorization for me to read
2: it out on the show. So I'll save that for next week. Unless it says otherwise everything's fair game.
3: Well, yeah, but this is a little, sometimes I get a little personal and I'd like to ask them, you know, before reading it out. But, but if you don't want your emails read out, please say
2: so. Cause most of the time I don't ask. That's right. Yeah. So what do you got for me, buddy? What do you went up to? What's new? I was out in the mountains yesterday. Didn't see Bigfoot. No, I. I seen a guy climb a frozen waterfall. With the ice picks? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Huh. kind of sketchy. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I don't we know. We had if... to
2: like clear out of there, you know? He was doing it. There's a bunch of kids there, and he started, this big chunks of ice coming down. And... Really? But if you fell, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, you're toast. Oh, you're done.
3: Yeah. Was he tied? Oh, he might just probably tie no. up on the top. No. no.
4: Really?
2: Yeah. Was uh, it being filmed or something? No. There was like fucking 30 of us there watching him probably. Wow. I was just like, whoa. I was waiting. I was just like, oh God, I was, I'm not yeah. helping haul this guy out of here. I yeah, got shit to do.
3: You don't want your kids to see a this guy, guy just gets, Oh, it.
2: you just fucking, I mean, it's not even that tall of a waterfall, you know? But still, like, you have no hope of grabbing onto anything you just suck and go sliding down to the bottom. I don't do nothing but gaining speed the whole time and yeah. get cut to shreds.
3: Yeah. Did you go to, did you do any cold thermogenesis or anything while you're out in the mountains? No. Jump in a pool of freezing cold water?
2: No. I you didn't know? see any pools of freezing cold water. You didn't? I'll keep my eye out though. Yeah, let me know time. where they are. I'll let you know. I'll join you. Yeah. Please don't. <laughs> pools of freezing cold water tend to be just that. They so have
3: cryotherapy I'm... near me No. Yeah.
2: Do they? Yeah. You just go there and cry? i <laughs>
3: <laughs> cry my liberal tears. Yeah.
2: Uh, they freeze you?
3: Yeah. I've been bugging them to get an infrared sauna there as well.
2: But but they just freeze you and then you just go home with a chill?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'll try it one of these days. I'll try it and then report
2: back. Yeah, let me know. Will do. What's next? What do you got?
3: Uh, well, I got a little listener
2: email. And let's give, well, well, let's let's give ta- Craig some fucking feedback. Well, no,
3: no. I, I said I'm waiting for Craig's feedback till next week. Because oh, okay. I have a, I have a really good big email to read about that. So here here's one. What jingle? This is from Grumpy Green Guy. Ooh. Oh, yeah. You should play a jingle.
2: What fucking jingle? It's just a feedback. Feedback, like spam gram. No.
0: Tradition of the american goodies by the people, oh. All the people. That's why,
3: that's why somebody emailed me grim America goodies in the title. There you from go. From that jingle. So this is from Grumpy Green Guy. He says, I, I really like the show. I found it looking for Coast to Coast on Spotify. Actually, it is cool to, to hear how people found the show as well. So yes. fun. I've been listening for about three months now and also got my wife listening too. I just started donating monthly and was wondering if you still have the Sasquatch shirts. Uh mm. we'll talk about that later, but like I, I'm sure I replied to him, but I can't remember what I told no him. But there's a we Slash swag and Yeah. And I have a few, but no no Sasquatch ones
2: though. So <laughs> And Cyrus is probably buying up whatever's left out Yeah, oh so.
3: Okay, so if so, how much do I need to send you to get to take the shot? So we're gonna send um, everybody to that slash swag, and it takes you right to our store, and we get like
2: uh, just a couple bucks every time somebody buys something there. Yeah, I think much. we get like uh, less money, but we have to do zero work, so it works out well.
3: Yeah, but it's way less work. Yeah, I used to have to walk to the
2: mail to the well, do
3: the mail oh, mail
2: yeah. mail each
3: one out and stuff. So, so to my synchro. Right before the last show, I was thinking about how I never have any synchronicities in my life or
2: I just don't realize them. It's a synchro, you jackass. Yeah. <laughs>
3: mm. Go ahead. I'm just going to do this all the time now so you I get to play your little jingles.
4: <laughs> I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities.
2: All over the I'll just play him anyway, over you. So he's he's uh, was right
3: before the last show, he's thinking about how he doesn't get any synchronicities, right? Well, I guess you don't have any synchronicities. You don't get them, you have them, right? You noticed them. He says, then the show started, and the friend of the show, Cyrus, works for the same company I do. I thought, well, that's not, that's a little synchro, but not really worth enough to spam gram about. I was driving my route. So he's a UPS driver. And I was diverted to the Orlando hub, which I've been, which I have been many times, but I never came from the South, always from the North. So right as the show ended, I almost got to my destination and turned onto Boggy Creek Road. Nice. Being that the expertise of the guest was the Boggy Creek monster, it jumped out at me as a, as a synchro. It's not a very profound one, but I donated. So I should get a few points. <laughs> Keep up the good work. So I was I was driving down that when I was in Florida last month. I was driving by that Boggy Creek, and I thought it was the same Boggy Creek. But <laughs> it's not? No. Oh. No, it's not.
2: No, the other one's in... Uh, Louisiana. Yeah, somewhere like that. That's too bad. Yeah. That's cool, though. I'm going to give him a double point four two because he involved the show two times. That's oh, going to yeah. be a total .84. He's going to get a... Uh, was, that would have been that episode with Cyrus. What he does, yeah, that's with a little him. compound synchro. There, we'll give him a seven point eight four. Nice. Oh,
3: he'll be happy with that. So, thanks for the email.
2: I support. <laughs> <laughs> Any more?
3: Um. Oh, I got. Uh, I want to read that Instagram one. Instagram. Yeah, so it's a it's a social media jingle. Is that the jingle?
1: <laughs> Bingo,
0: bango, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the grind,
3: America. <laughs> Actually, can- mm. cancel that. You're not reading it. <laughs> no. I'm going to save it, because yes. it's about Craig. I want to ah. save
2: it for the next next episode. Okay, I'll read some uh, YouTube stuff. Okay, episode 209 from Darlene. This is a great, 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 great interview. This one got me signed up for the newsletter. I've got some bills in my money pot that will be sent your way. Don't get too excited. It's a minimal amount, but feng shui powerful.
4: My life is full of
2: sick crows. Oh, this, synchros. Yeah. It says synchros. I'm assuming that you mean synchros. Someday I will find the time to share these stories. Keep up the interviews. I love the pre-show talk. Don't change. Uh, what else do we got here? Oh, from the guy who made this jingle that we just played. <laughs> this interview is great. I love hearing about this guy's covert escapades and revealing Shakespeare's secrets. Nice. Uh, we got from Amber that she found us while driving through Alaska in the darkness of December.
3: I hope we helped in that darkness.
2: Um, what else do we got? You guys could be doing better on the YouTube on the social media. No, the YouTube's been pretty good lately, people oh.
3: I, I don't usually look at it, but there was some nice comments on there.
2: There's the your oh, mom's all trolley. A, your mom's a standard model.
3: <laughs> the mom jokes have made it to YouTube. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it was bound to happen.
3: Actually I got a mom joke from one of our listeners too.
2: You need a control group for the ice spike experiment. How are you going to have a control group where you don't think about ice spikes? Hey, eh? oh, that's a tough one. We'll we'll leave that one to Efrain. Oh,
3: that's I oh, I didn't get that the first time I read it. You didn't, You did. gotta just measure somebody somebody's ice spikes who don't know they're being <laughs> you measured. Sneak
2: into <laughs> someone's house and check their freezer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know what? Funny enough, I, I kind of got that Xavian uh, reminding me of Ephraim a little bit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That reminds me. Well, you're uh, scrambling over there. I'm going to. I'm not scrambling. You're always scrambling a little bit. Scrambling Graham? Okay, well, you can do this then. I'll do the church of the UFO quote. Oh, yes. UFO part of
0: the week.
3: So I'm reading this from news newscom.au.com.au, and this is the, I wanted to address this Churchill essay that was published about E.T., and then we can talk about something else after. Sure. So Winston Churchill's search for E.T. revealed and forgotten essay. So as Britain entered World War II to halt uh, the spread of Nazi Germany, Winston Churchill had something else important on his mind, the existence of aliens. The iconic leader who led the English Empire as Prime Minister from 40 to 45, and again from 51 to 55, dedicated a great deal of energy to theorizing about extraterrestrial life. It's been revealed by a lost essay from 1939. Such was Churchill's belief in intelligent life outside our planet that in the 50s he ordered a suspected UFO sighting to be kept secret to prevent mass panic. Excerpts from his essay, Are We Alone in the Universe, were brought to light this week when they were published in the science journal Nature. The 11-page essay reveals the man known as Winnie was among the first to theorize about other regions of the universe in which conditions may be conducive to harboring life. I'm not sufficiently conceited to think that my son is the only one with a family of planets Churchill wrote. There must be other planets, he concluded, the right size to keep water and possibly an atmosphere, and at the proper distance from their parent sun to maintain a suitable temperature. This later became known as a star's habitable zone or more colloquially, the Goldilocks zone. The hunt for potentially Habitable planets elsewhere in the universe began decades after Churchill's musings on the topic. And now, thanks to the work of NASA's Kepler telescope, astronomers have identified 216 planets believed to sit in habitable orbits around their parent stars. Hmm, I thought it was more than that, actually. Stargazing may not be what Winston Churchill is best remembered for, but the essay demonstrates his scientific acumen six six decades after he penned it, experts said. Astrophysicist Mario Lavillo, who first laid hands upon the document last year at the U.S. National Church Museum in Missouri, said that the writing proved the statesman had powers of reasoning like a scientist. The most amazing thing is he started with this essay when Europe was on the brink of war, and there he was, musing about a question about a scientific topic that is really a question out of curiosity, he said. Churchill first drafted the paper in 1939 when Europe was on the brink of war and revealed it, revised it in the late 50s. It's believed the work was never published or subjected to scientific or academic scrutiny. He wrote essays and articles in the 20s and 30s on topics including evolution, cell biology, and fusion power. As a politician, he regularly consulted scientists and was the first British PM to employ a science advisor, according to Livio. At a time when a number of today's politicians shun science, I find it moving to recall a leader who engaged with it so profoundly. So, I don't know. So he engaged in science so profoundly and he talked about UFOs and covering up UFO cases, but they never want to mention that? Why isn't that addressed? Why doesn't that bring the UFO subject some credibility then? Or does it need any more credibility? I mean, apparently it does because it's not accepted. Especially in the US.
2: It needs more.
3: So why doesn't that add to it? They don't even really they just gloss over that part. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So while uh, well looking at this, another little article popped up here,
2: which I thought you might find interesting. What was the last time I did the quotes? What quotes? Jackson Taylor's favorite quotes.
3: Uh quite a while ago. About five, five
2: episodes, probably. What should I play for a jingle for the quotes?
3: I don't know. Mm. Kind of, It's kind of a jangle jingle. I
2: already played that jingle. Though. I know. Oh, actually, no, I'll use this one. gwen
0: is an all-in believer in God. dick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got... I'm just going to go back to 207. Hopefully, that's not 204. Too far? Uh, cannabis is a non-specific amplifier which exaggerates whatever state of mind is your state of mind is, potentially. Yeah, I like that. Uh, also from 207, the divine unfolds when we step out of our little cells. And it's been speculated that the endocannabinoid receptor system is the most prominent receptor system in the human body. Hmm. <sighs> Yeah, be cool. That was all from Stephen Gray, right?
3: Yep, and that was all
2: All you got for quotes, all canvas related? No, I go through up by up. 208, don't ever point that finger at me again or you're going to lose that finger, Dunlop. <laughs> uh, also from 208, the problem with Christianity is there's 30,000 versions of it. Oh, I don't remember that takes me a bit, I think that was Michael's quote, actually. That, yeah, was, that was the episode Michael hijacked. <laughs> we should have a jingle for that. That was the, this one. Episode 209, 43 of the most important mathematical constants in the world are all to be found in those proportions of the pyramid. Also from 209, we have a UK posse. We might be able to get one of them to bash that fucker open. (laughs) And again from 209, I am what I am and they have that level at my abuses Reckon up their own. It's too smart for me. Takes me a bit to scroll through them when I'm not prepared to do them. Usually I'd screenshot them. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's fine. There's There's no rush. But you've probably said enough. Well, I want to get caught up at least, otherwise it'll be fucking... You know, episode... Did I miss 210? Yeah. Uh, yep. What was 210? 210 was um, Craig Flowers, right? No, 211
3: was Craig oh, Flowers. Oh yeah, that was uh, Alan Green. No, Seth, it was uh, Seth and Lyle.
2: Oh, that's right. Body Creek. There it is. Episode. 210. Oh, I know some hardcore hunters that have taken shots, and it's not something to be taken lightly. Also from 210, you're a Canadian dwarf. <laughs> Pugwedgie.
1: Who <laughs> about
2: you?
3: I'm an Asian giant in one episode, and a Canadian dwarf a, the
2: next. And a pug the next. <laughs> And finally from episode 2.11, the laws of physics are a direct result of the perfect balanced relationship between space, time, matter, and energy. Nice. That's a good way to sum it up. Also from 2.11, space is nearly and in- infinitely dense, matter is nearly infinitely empty, and time is probably nearly infinitely short. That's another good one. Also from episode 2.11, wait, 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 don't point at me. What the fuck's a time, Crystal? <laughs> <laughs> that's two quotes and you've been getting pointy you've been hanging around with Maurice too long
3: I'm getting pointy because you're not looking or paying attention to what's going on over on the other side of the studio behind me <laughs> you're not pointing at me you're pointing past me uh, no I'm talking about you know getting your huh. attention you gotta put your phone I'm gonna ban your phone
2: no that's not gonna <laughs> I
3: did one day you let me and it helped
2: yeah that was just for the weather modification segment. Oh. Right. Yeah, I should do another one of those. Lots have been going on in the world of climate gate. St- climate gate. Yeah. Climate gate, pizza gate, <laughs> everything gate. So you yeah. want to talk about NASA?
3: Yeah, man. So a mysterious NASA post has prompted ridiculous alien conspiracy theories. Now that, I mean this is coming from news.com.au again. It says, mysterious NASA tweet has prompted wild theories about whether humans have finally gotten in touch with aliens. In a tweet posted this morning, the space agency said it will make an announcement tomorrow about a discovery beyond our solar system. And here's the exact tweet. It says, new discovery. We're announcing new findings on planets orbiting other stars tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern. So, By the time you listen to this, it's probably going to be a day or two after. So it'll be interesting to see if anything comes of it. It says here, It didn't offer much more detail other than to say it is specifically related to planets that orbit stars other than our own sun, known as exoplanets. But as vague as this preview is, it hasn't stopped people from launching into conspiracy mode about whether a real-life ET situation is about to unfold. Well, of course... Of course, you know, people are going to speculate on that, because uh why would NASA say that anyways? Oh, maybe they're getting ahead of Vault 7. Is that what you're thinking,
4: Darren?
2: No, I think it's starting to be they found water. They found liquid water someplace. Huh. So
3: you don't think it has anything to do with getting getting ahead of Vault 7?
2: You no, I just noticed that today, because randomly Cyrus had text earlier that tomorrow's... uh that WikiLeaks was talking about.
3: Wow, well, that's interesting. So what what was this Vault 7 supposed to be?
2: Nobody knows.
3: Are you uh, up to date on it?
2: Not really. Not I think really? it was just to do with Hillary's emails, probably. Oh. Still goes back to the email thing, that there was a bunch of stuff. Like, I think it was all different codes for planes that were sold to the Chinese. Like Apparently oh, yeah, there's right. some scandal that there's some plane bodies, like this new Chinese plane is almost identical to the U.S., the F-22 Raptor or Something whatever Something like is. that, yeah. And they think that someone sold plans to the Chinese. Oh, okay. And that's what, that's what I mean, I haven't really done my own breakdown. It's either that or 9-11 is what it really seemed like. I don't see how any of those could have pointed to a rock slamming into the earth or aliens, which seemed to be the only two things of any real importance NASA might be revealing. Unless they yeah. are going back to the moon, but that's not happening either, you know? Or Pizzagate. NASA ain't talking about Pizzagate.
3: True. Not in that way, but, um,
2: yeah. I just thought it was weird because, um, you mentioned the NASA thing just at the same time as I was kind of looking past my text thread in Cyrus's. That was the last thing you texted me. Right. Or maybe the WhatsApp or something. I mean, if it you was, if it so. was
3: big enough, news, big enough news, it could get, um, enough coverage to drown out something else, you know, especially something like vault seven. That's just coming from WikiLeaks or, um, alternative internet sources, right? Aliens. I would do it. That would have to be, that would have to be that big. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't put that in here as a little teaser. If it was that. So let's wonder what it would be then. So water, maybe it's just more stars,
2: uh, in the habitable zone. Already know about that. Yeah, maybe they found that wouldn't be a huge, clouds. a major announcement no. or a major discovery.
3: I wonder could why. Be Earth
2: 2, maybe, right? Could it be Sirius? That's why it's covered up. Maybe they found something on uh, Sirius? What I was reading is that Sirius is probably covered up just because it's so bright. Oh my God. You can't be serious. It's just too bright. <laughs> <laughs> it is the brightest star
3: okay here so if you search uh venus on that and that pops up venus is way brighter than any star right now or it was last month to us. what was the uh i can't remember google sky
4: right? was it yeah So somebody,
3: you just paste something over it because it's too bright? I don't know. That just doesn't make sense.
2: Well, I don't think you just paste something over it if you're trying to be sneaky either.
3: How does this thing work? So how come I'm not searching? How did you get right up into it like that
2: last time? I just typed Venus. doesn't seem to be working this time.
3: No. So what did you do before? You typed in uh, Sirius? Yes. S-I-R-I-U-S. And it's, <laughs> it's a big pasty block. yeah.
2: Maybe it is something to do with Sirius. Maybe Sirius is blowing the fuck up. That'd be cool. We're gonna have to go see a star go supernova.
3: So Venus doesn't work? Because it's too bright, maybe?
2: No, then it'd be blotched. That was if you typed Mars. I just did it. I just typed Mars. How'd you know I was gonna use Mars? It's the next closest planet. It was, you know... What did yeah, I just I was... use again? Mercury. Jupiter. To get more stupider. <laughs> so you're going in order away from the sun. Yeah. I thought you might go proximity
3: to Earth. So it's not doing pl- our own plants. Oh. No. that's a conspiracy.
2: Because they're flat. <laughs> that's right. They can't see them because the camera sees them on the other way. Because they're, <laughs> they're flat. They're and, around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're paper thin. They're there, but they're paper thin. What's another star? I think that... uh Aldebaran? Alpha Proximi. Depper. Alpha Centauri. No results. I don't spell that right. Alpha Centauri?
4: Alpha
3: Centauri. How do you spell Centauri?
2: C-E-N-T-A-U-R-I. Okay.
3: Oh, yeah, that's bright. That's pretty bright.
2: Not as bright as Sirius. So Sirius is the brightest star in the sky. You're just mm. having trouble sharing your screen. Yeah, and, it's not working. That's okay. Yeah, it's not working.
3: I don't... Who told you that? Siri.
2: Hey, Siri, what's the brightest star?
1: No,
3: I'm, I'm asking you who told you... You came up with that on your own, that it's covered up because... I of...
0: about brightest star on Wikipedia. Shall I read it to you?
2: Yes. Oh, boy.
0: Brightest star is the debut mini-album from vocal group Bright. <laughs> this was their first CD released under major label
4: Rhythm Zone.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Nice what's try. the brightest star in the night sky it's an album
0: looking okay i found this on the web for what's the brightest star in the night sky
2: wikipedia Here's a the list there's the list the sun then Sirius, by a lot like double the next one
3: And you just figured that that's why they block it out because it's too bright?
2: Yeah. What else are you typing in the sun? Nothing. Oh, this thing's the worst.
3: (laughs) I want to see another star close up. Well, I just did an Alpha Centauri.
2: This isn't a real telescope. (laughs) You think you're aiming a telescope? No. It's all database stuff, right? Or it's all CGI. Looks pretty cgi You
3: think you're aiming a Telescope, are you? No.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to link to Google Sky so well,
2: Maybe can that's why that it's industry. not working because I'm trying to pull it one direction and you're <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: Anyway. Hey, if you like this bullshit, check out gramerica.ca slash support. Uh, there's a bunch of different options there, guys, on how you can uh, support our vow, vow of prop can't talk right. Value for value. Support our value for value model, uh, and our vow of poverty as it were. Um, and help us, you know, stay Stay away from the ads. We want to stay ad free. We want to stay paywall free. Sponsor free. Sponsor free, bullshit free. We just want to give you all this shit for free. And if you guys like it and find some value, then, uh, if you can afford it from time to time, you can pitch in uh, one time, or maybe you can sign up for a monthly. Those people really help out. Um, But anyway, you can find all those different options at coamerica.ch slash support. Um, It does really help. Helps pay pay the bills, helps grow the show, helps us expand and upgrade equipment and all that fun stuff. Um, I also, I don't know, we don't really do anything. Like, Should we mention when people donate? Oh yeah, we didn't
3: really hear back since we talked about the last episode. And also
2: we're we're doing a meetup in in, uh, Washington, right? Was that last episode? I, I remember at some point we had mentioned like how we would thing like i'm fine you know listing the list of the people who subscribe someplace or or you know mentioning them or maybe we can do shout Monthly outs or, or once a month but anyway if you guys have any ideas on that let us know what you think yeah, or if just keep it the same i mean a lot
3: of people say keep it the same but i don't yeah, think that's it's in
2: reference to that specifically yeah that's right
3: um what else yeah, oh we yeah we are
2: going to be in spokane on the weekend of march 3rd uh for a couple of days Uh, We do have a big uh, cabin rented. So I rented a big cabin there in the woods. So uh, if you want to come and get killed, let us know. Spam Graham.
3: See some Sasquatch. Save some Sasquatch.
2: (laughs) No, we'll probably be doing some podcasting, some chatting, some beers, some uh, buds, all that fun stuff. Some of you, really? Some food. Graham will be chaperoning organized chaos. I'll
3: be driving designated driver everywhere. Back and yeah. I got to rent it
2: down (laughs) for (laughs) this. I'll just be driving back and forth. Yeah. So if you need a lift from the airport to the bus station, any of that fun stuff, let us know. No, just kidding. We're not going to drive yet. If you want to come to the meetup, that's fine.
3: The other thing is uh, the show notes has a link to all the stuff to to help support the show and ways to get a hold of us. Darren's on Twitter and I'm on Instagram and uh, Spamgram with all your Stories and we talk about listeners' stories, synchronicities, encounters, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, and remember, we're coming up on March, which is Double Up Month. We'll try and double our listenership. So everybody's mission in March is to convince somebody else to uh, start listening to the show. Yeah. Sign them up to the newsletter Just too. Sign want. them up for the newsletter. All right, guys. I think that's about it. Enjoy the chat with uh, with David. It's a great one and uh yeah going will be a blast. we had fun
3: tonight we've got david charles plate with us he's a mystic filmmaker and he's a co-host of always record a podcast i've been listening to lately and uh, they, that get published on a platform called syncbook which is a, a website kind of a multimedia platform with videos and podcasts and all kinds of stuff so he's a contributor there and he's working on his own films and we're happy to have him here it sounds like he's got a pretty uh, similar style to us and Tries to have open minded conversations and not too dogmatic about stuff, so welcome to the show.
1: Hello, hi
3: yeah good to good to meet you.
1: So yeah, happy to be on,
3: yeah, I was listening to some of your stuff, man on the sync book, and it was really you know it took me a few episodes. I kind of tried some of the different different ones, and um, they always record there like it just really resonated with me on the way we kind of talk about things here as well. I really like the open minded conversations you guys were having.
1: Cool. Yeah. No, I like, I like a round table discussion. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm down with the more interview style format, but I really like, uh, to, to have a genuine conversation, you know, that's, that's where it's at. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. And how, and you guys did, you did that for a few years.
1: Yeah. I think it's been going on for like over four years now or something. There's kind of like, there's these people that just, you know, we, we took a long break for a minute and some Folks decided to just kind of like make their own episode of our show which was really cool because oh, right, okay. so they they became like the bizarro always record and just like <laughs> like started producing episodes and we're like okay well we'll let them run with it so like it's kind of been going back and forth where it's like you know there's the old co-hosts and we'll jump on and do things every so often and then it's, they've kind of taken over to a degree which i really like you know was it um, a hostile those- takeover <laughs> No, not at, not at all. In fact, it was kind of like a joke. It was like if you're waiting for your show to come out and you just like produce your own episode because <laughs> you. Oh <know.
2: laughs> so, yeah, that's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm.
3: How does that yeah. work, How does that work on SyncBook then? Because actually, where should we should we mention what we're planning, Darren, or or just uh, sure we should now? So how how does it work with uh, or how do you find it working with uh, a platform like SyncBook? So I go into that podcast and there's different styles or different um flavors flavors of podcasts within that with different hosts and stuff right
1: well we we, with that particular show it was the intention was just to be a think tank for other people's work and to kind of like you know brainstorm so you know there's so much information that we're dealing with and it's like you know, we because we're not into jumping to conclusions necessarily. Or at least that that's like I was saying. That's kind of our mission statement. You know, uh, it just it's like an we we just explore the whole field, and you end up finding things that really are not easily explained. And so, like you know, if there wasn't that, you know, openness to whatever it could be, you know, it it wouldn't be as likely that that would happen the way that it does. You know, it's, it's because anything is possible that we find things that are just like, you know, how does that happen? You know, how can you explain that? And so, um, I mean, I could go into loads of examples, but like, you know, there's certain things that are just blown, blown my mind. Like, I don't know how it is that Six hundred and sixty-six days after Stanley Kubrick dies is one one oh one. So January first, two thousand one, and six hundred and sixty-six <laughs> days before he died was the day and year that the that the first computer beat a man at chess. And so the computer is named uh, Big Blue, designed by IBM, H A L Hal is each one letter removed from IBM, and you know, and then the and then the first representation of a of a computer beating a man at chess is in two thousand one, a space odyssey. And so it's just like I mean that I, I that's like my go-to example of like explain this you know and you can't and i don't even i'm you know there you follow along and you can look at you know uh you can speculate on intentionality when it comes to uh what we could call certain synchronicities but sometimes you reach a crescendo or a breaking point where it just like goes beyond like anything you could easily like explain you know and i like that yeah somebody was somebody
3: somebody wasn't in control of that one i mean you can just tell that that wasn't designed that i mean that's a crazy example of
2: well, I don't know, man. The Hal and IBM thing almost seems like you know something seemed to be up with Kubrick.
1: Oh, something right. Well, there's, that, that's the thing. That cat. Both are happening at the same time, and so that's that, as far as I can tell. I don't know, but that's what, like, I'll you know, you you're you're going along and you find things where you you can see that there's lo- there's in all likelihood, especially if you know the backstory, you can see levels of intentionality. Now, when it extends beyond that, it's almost like is it the in- intention of them just having an intention in the first place being subversive in the first place and then it, it, it extends beyond you know it's like if, I don't know if you're familiar with like Scott Onstott's work uh, with secrets in plain sight but like you know he's measuring out uh, sacred sites in the sites themselves and then measuring the distance between sites that have resonance across the globe and he's finding these like extremely significant undeniable patterns but then you keep going along with his work and you can just be like okay Freemasons okay I get it you know and mm-hmm. then he's all of a sudden that towards the He's like measuring the farthest distance of the sides of the continents and coming up with like crazy consecutive numbers. Like how? What? How could that happen? And it's like nobody decided how long the, the continent would be. You know, as far as I know, you know, at least no intelligence that we would relate to is you know.
2: It's like I, I was thinking computer. of it. It's, that fucking really sounds simulationy to me, right? makes you seem like it's because, you know, then it would just, like, yeah, 26.26262626 miles, or...
3: Yeah. Right. I don't know. I was thinking more of a Tulpa-ish. Like, it sounds like with that intentionality you're talking about, that it creates its own living dynamic energy or something, and it continues on with that. Like, have you ever heard of the Tolpa phenomenon? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know. It reminds me of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, what do you think about the... Uh, Especially nowadays, like talking about not jumping to conclusions in truth. I mean, how important is that mission statement or philosophy nowadays, especially with, you know, all this alternative facts jumping out at you and fake news and all this stuff where, you know, there's all these supposed facts. Yet truth is kind of more subjective, you know, it's based on perception and all this other stuff. I mean, it's super important just to not be so polarized. Cause it seems like that's what's happening to everybody.
1: Right. There's the information and there's what you extrapolate from it. So like, you know, I, I I'm like, okay, so, so Trump is inaugurated on the, the 70th uh, year, <laughs> seventh month, seventh day, I believe <laughs> of his life. And like, you can cross reference that, like you can go and you can, you know, there's a day calculator and you can type it in there and you can look at what comes up and it's like, okay. I see that in 666, uh, uh, what is it, Uh, month of uh, Barack Obama is like when he leaves office. It's like, you know, and but but the but the numbers are open to interpretation they're just numbers i mean we we the big point is that we discovered numbers we didn't invent them right so like we invented the symbols to represent those numbers but numeration itself you can find patterns everywhere in in nature and we relate to our own goings on as if that's somehow like completely separate yet There's implications when you follow things through that it doesn't seem like it's, you know, it's distinct apparently, but it doesn't seem to be entirely separate because we can't necessarily remove ourselves. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm like, is that planned that he's going to it's going to be that seven, seven, seven thing with Trump? And like, and and then you have to, you know, look at like, well, what what associations do the occultists have with seven, seven, seven? And then you see that, you know, traditionally there's certain views and uh, in European occultism, they have a whole like like Kabbalah is a strange term because it's it's you know the the way that we relate to it now like if you have a cabal you know you have uh secret you know meetings people you know do you know uh yeah a cabal but that like Kabbalah literally means to receive like the traditional meaning of cabal is entirely different than the way that it's currently taken and the uh traditionally you look at like the relationship to a mystery something's mysterious and then now you have people's relationship to a secret like they have the secret knowledge yet that doesn't seem to be like it's an open secret really like um in the more traditional sense and so it's like we're not even talking about the same thing anymore and so that can be really difficult you know uh especially when you look at uh the way that the the names used to be related to in the way that they're related to now um i don't know if you're familiar like if you take you know the um the Tarot arcana, the, the twenty two trump cards in particular, and you lay them out as a Vesca Pisces. This is something I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by. Okay. Is that, you know you have an eleven and above and an eleven below, so to speak. So yeah. you know and 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 if you lay that out normally, because this is the roots of language, right? It's the original alphabet. You know yeah. the original alphabet was Hebrew, and so and then that came from the Phoenician and the Chaldean roots, and then you can see those are communicated through the letters themselves. They're also uh, musical. There's mu- you know they're all musical notes, and so uh, you have these scales and what whatnot, but it, when you lay them out normally as the 22 arcana, you, you have the, the letters that are flanking it, uh, being Aleph on one side and Lamed on the other. Now, that's the, the fool in tarot is the way that that would later be associated um, on the left, and then on the right, uh, you have um, Lamed, which is uh, justice, and so that's El, that's Elohim, it's abbreviation of Elohim, so here you have the name of God embedded in the language, and like that, it's very significant. Um, symbology too and how those uh, pathways show up on the Kabbalistic tree because you have the 22 uh, pathways that connect together all the spheroid. I don't know if you you, how familiar you are with uh, uh, the Kabbalistic tree Um, but uh, anyway it it holds a significance but they would relate to that this is a this is the most direct gate this is a direct path and then uh, but then there's a, a prophecy in the Zohar about how this will be changed and how to tell Um, If they're, uh, you know, correct or not, not in the ultimate sense, but just in terms of like, you know, does this function even though it's not this like, you know, it, it distributes energy in different ways. And so that was Crowley's big thing. And Saudi is not the star. So he switched up the arcana and he didn't like. He didn't really do this like this. He's giving uh, expression or articulation to something that's already in place. It's like a compulsion that people have to manipulate the name. And that's the uh, the basis of like the Tower of Babel. You know, it's like no one can understand each other's speech when the tower collapsed and this whole idea. And so um, it's 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 literally like you're changing uh, all the assumptions that everybody has in relationship to, to language like language uh, assumes certain things in the way that uh, you uh words are communicated you know like how you relate to words like uh noun subject you know um this whole what is you know what what, in order to speak you have to have certain assumptions about reality right and then that's embedded into the language so it becomes really significant like if you're looking at you know how to control masses of people that would be a very direct way to do it is to kind of determine what the the whole you know how the system operates, yeah. and so what 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 Crowley actually did it, 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 with the letters is you can see on one side you have Raish, uh, which is the sun now flanking it instead of Olive, uh, the fool, and then opposite that you have strength or Oz in Hebrew Oz, you know strength. Uh, yaki and Boaz are the two pillars of the temple uh, and the two uh, pillars of the Kabbalistic tree of the terrestrial realm, right of the seven lower Sphero. So you have uh, that. So you have uh, the sun and Leo. So the sun on one side, um, and then uh, Leo as strength on the other, and Leo rules the sun. And so his switching of the of the um, of the Saudi is not the star. Uh, it's kind of a I, I relate to it as a massive con, you know, because it's like this is a um, okay. All the letters in my book are right, but Saudi is not the star. I'll say okay, so, so. You're taking the name that was like revered as like the name of God traditionally, and you're saying okay, well there's something wrong with this. It's like, oh, really? You know, what's <laughs> what's wrong with it? Uh, but it is his system works. It's just that's that's like the meaning of the septogram. You know, it's like a hexagram is in perfect equilibrium because it's a perfect vector metric. You know, every line is the same length. Even if you connect lines uh, connecting on the the outermost points, you know, those will all be the same length too. So mm-hmm. it's like it's 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 a, a, a image of uh, equal e- equilibrium. And so if you introduce distortion of that, it's going to compensate equal measure from all possible points if that makes sense. Yeah. And so this the septogram is like an image where you're you're looking at something that you can see overtly is not in equilibrium yet it functions. And so then that becomes the symbol of babel because you're like okay well we're we're replicating a pattern that exists in nature which you could say the 777 lightning flash if you add up the um the letters of the lightning flash of the kabbalistic tree I don't know it is, it's it's a zigzag through the tree. Um, that, you know, the golden dawn relates to all these people relate to this thing. Uh, but this is a, a, you know, very old uh, communication, most likely, you know, from Egypt and who knows before that or whatever, you know. Uh, but uh, it's a there's a phenomenon that exists. And this is rather complicated, but I'll drop it on you if you're. you're yeah, yeah, yeah
3: no, no, go <laughs> for yeah. it.
1: So um, <clears throat> basically, uh, if you take the diagonals, the diagonal pathways of the cobblistic tree, you'll notice there's 12 of them. Um, And so if you you add up the gematria, the the values of those letters, uh, of those 12, you end up with 865. Now, if you um, if you add the gimel, uh, which is uh, what connects Keter, the crown, to Tefera in the center of the tree, so in other words, what what's connect the vertical line that's connecting the supernal to the terrestrial. If you add that, you get eight six eight, which is the grammatical value of the um, from the first line of the uh, sefer Yatsura, the name for the mystical pathways. I don't know if I have sefer Yitzura right in front of me. That would be helpful. How do you spell uh, but- a conic? Uh, I, iconic? What? You, what, you, tree, uh, what I'm did just I say? looking
2: for an image of the tree.
1: Oh, of the the kabbalistic tree. Oh, uh, yeah, you, yeah, Kab- kabbalah, kabbalah yeah, tree of it. life, tree of life. You'll find it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's all these attributions, and so, but ba- basically, the point is, is that. It, uh, I was looking at a prophecy. I've, I spent the last three and a half years uh, transcribing it with my rabbi. And we, we went through um, and we, we've, we came to this point where it was describing in the future to how to tell how the, the occultists in the future will be relating to uh, the sustaining order of the Kabbalistic tree. So there's, there's two orders of the Sphero, uh, the way that things come come into form uh, on an organic level and the way that the empire sustains its power. And so, uh, ba- basically, um, this is indicative of the sustaining order, the twelve diagonals. But you'll see that the, what when you're looking at the upper, um, the upper part of the tree, you have you know a, a triad, and then below you have a reverse triad of the upper spheres of the lower worlds. Now, this is without question the meaning of the square and compass in Freemasonry. Huh. And so, and so, what connects them together? That vertical pathway is Gimel. It's a G. And so this is why uh, when you see that G uh, in Freemasonry, I mean, people say geometry, they say God, whatever, it's Gimel, it's, um, you know, uh, would be associated in tarot with the high priestess. And so uh, it indicates the exile um, of Shakina. Uh, so you have the sacred feminine being pushed to the bottom as Malkut. So that the empire can basically uh, maintain its power structure, and so the you know the shakina represents uh, receptivity in the highest sense because Kabbalah, like I said, it means to receive. And so that's that's space. It's actually the symbolism is is, is uh, this is controversial, but it would actually be closer to uh, what we say. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Newt, um, the sky goddess, the Egyptian sky goddess uh, is uh, communicated as infinite space. Right. So it's basically taking that space and it's pushing it to the bottom and then everything gets. Built up on top of it, and so uh, this is a verse uh, from the Old Testament where it says, "The stone that the builders rejected uh, will be the keystone of the of the temple or, or archway." Um, so, ba- basically, if you ha- if you have an archway and you have a center stone in the middle of that archway. Um, all the weight rests upon that stone, and so the 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 verse and the prophecy that they relate to is that this stone that's been rejected by the builders uh, will eventually get back to its rightful place in the in the center of the of the tree and bring the other sphere out with it to create, um, you know, another another level of equilibrium. So basically, the the tree itself, as you're seeing it, uh, is ultimately an imbalance because you have dot is the the knowledge in the center that separated the supernal from the terrestrial. In other words, like as soon as you replicate um, something in terms of like information, like if you get a piece of information, you're, uh, you're making a replication to relate to, and then that becomes a projection. And so in that movement of projection, like, you know, small children do this. It's like in developmentally, uh, w- when we separate ourselves from ourselves psychologically, that comes with a sense of, of guilt or a sense of like something's wrong. And uh, no matter how subtle or whatever, there's that that you know um, that sense that mm. wait a minute something something's not right, and so that tri- traditionally is communicated that that's the fall, and everything extends from there. And so you know obviously organized religion has kind of screwed this up because <laughs> there's very little communication around like the uh, the actual philosophy behind that. Um, even though it's ultimately really straightforward. I mean, that's why we have confessional, you know, it's because you, they want to create a, a gap between us and the, the direct path. So like I say, gimmel is like those are dimensions. So when you're looking at the, the horizontal pathways, the diagonal pathways and the vertical pathways, those indicate, you know, um, you know, things that are transcendent or things that are, are on a linear level. And so the horizontal is obviously linear. And that's why you see strength. Uh, it, Oz is what connects, you know, Chesed and Gavorah, mercy and severity. Uh, the the tops of the terrestrial pillars of the Tree of Life. Um, now, when that guy walked across the two towers on that on that wire, like the the fact that apparently he didn't realize the symbolism involved in that. I mean, I don't know. I I never spoke to him, but like that's that's super profound. Uh, Kabbalistically, because that pathway is the strength of the empire. So it's like the equivalent of in the Golden Bough where the, the fool or the stranger comes in and he challenges the king by pulling the limb off of the tree. That's essentially what he did. Uh, it's, a, it's a demonstration that, oh, your, your power isn't what it claims to be. It's, wow. not, it's not, you know. Yeah. Um, and so another example would be that uh, kid who climbed the Trump Tower. The fact that he's oblivious makes it all the more profound. Like, he went 21 stories. Like, you have 20, 22 arcana and the fool, and the fool is zero. So, like, he's the fool, and he climbs the Trump Tower. Those are Trump cards. Like, and then that's the basis of all language. Like, you know, I mean, on, on every level, it's just nuts. So, what do you like, think the
3: significance of that is compared to the tower example? Like, that's compared uh, to the Twin Tower example?
1: Right, well, it's a simil- It's a, the a same, same thing? It, it, same thing, but from a from a different angle, because the, what the like it's all about the tower. So the 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 tower being pay being being the mouth. Uh, what Crowley did when he switched Saudi is not the star. Saudi means fishhook, um, and was connected to the star card in tarot. Now he attributes that to the emperor, which is Aries, and so the tower is Mars. Aries rules Mars. So just like I was saying with the flanking. Um, letters of the the Vesca Pisces of the Arcana. You have the Sun on one side and Leo on the other. The equivalent happens when he he basically pairs because uh, like you ignore the Roman numerals, you just look at the Hebrew letters of the Arcana, and then it all makes sense because you can see he put Aries next to Mars. Well, Aries rules Mars, which is a fish hook next to a mouth, and so you have the Emperor connected with the Tower, and so it's it's Tisha B'Av, it's the destruction of the Temple, and so what what the Uh, zohar prophecy actually explicitly communicates is that these two towers that collapse on it gives the exact day of 9 11 in 2001 i don't know if you knew that uh it gives it gives what appears as a random date in the in the uh hebrew calendar uh and then you apply it to the gregorian and you can see that this is in fact it, it it is precise um and so there's a there's a a uh, little tricky thing in there because it's dealing with uh it's Shabbat and where this day lands in regards to so bas- basically uh it's a little complicated but uh i you know i I've, I've written this whole thing out i spent the last 3 years transcribing this in longhand i got a friend right now helping me uh type it out but um yeah it's it's uh it's it's crazy but is- it also it also predicts the day of the establishment of the TSA um and so it says 68 days after these towers collapse the uh, the the nation who has this happen will show up at the border of every nation around the world to impose unjust laws, and so I'm like, I look at this in the prophecy. I'm like, don't tell me it's the day the TSA got established. Don't tell you know. And I go look it up, and without question, 68 days exactly after this happens is exactly what they said would happen, um, and so. It, yeah. It's.
3: so this is so this is this is where you're talking about the future being predicted through this tree right is this what you're talking about or is there other right. future stuff that you you're trying to unwind now that that can give us a hint to where the Empire is going I mean is there a chance that the Empire doesn't get strength through this that it collapses or
1: well that it basically the, the thing transmutates and we transmutate <laughs> it's 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 a reflection of our own consciousness and so what we're seeing uh, through the cobble through the uh, you know, clephotic lens. So the, the clipo, the, the uh, influencing intelligences when we're, when we're approaching, you know, it's like a screen between us and what's actually in front of us or what's actually within us, you know? Right, right. Um, and so basically this, it has to mirror the tetragrammaton and it can only get so close. And because it can only get so close, it's destined to eventually collapse. Cause if you're, if you're putting all your stock into something, that's a replication, you know, that it won't endure. And so th- this was like in ancient times. You know, they had a matriarchy. So you you challenge the king and you marry the king's daughter if you defeat him in combat. And sometimes this would just be done in a in a ritualistic way. Like there is no question, you know. Uh, and so it had to be a complete outsider that did this action. Now, when you see uh, the footage of Bohemian Grove and mm-hmm. uh, what they're doing with the cremation of care ceremony, mm-hmm. that that is a mock version of the. Um, of this ritual, so it's the same thing like when you see if you ever watch the fucking wicker man or whatever um you know like in the wicker man you know you're you're they have the outsider and they burn the outsider so they' they're killing the fool instead of having him kill the king and so it's it's a it's a poetic communication uh, so in instead of a, it has to do with inbreeding. So like traditionally, like they didn't want to keep the power in the same bloodline indefinitely because they knew that that would lead to trouble. And then that that is also a reflection of the, the whole empire, like the whole empire is communicated with the health of the king, like is this whole thing. And so they would literally like invite. The whole um, structure to be to be rejuvenated to be by being turned on his head, and so you basically have this person who comes in, he challenges the king, he defeats the king, he marries the king's daughter, but because he's of the lowest class and he's a complete outsider, he will you know re reestablish the whole kingdom to be something else, and so what we're seeing in the in the world, as far as I can tell, is yeah. like basically a complete aversion to allowing this thing to take place, right. and so it it gets further and further strained until it just forces itself to. To, um, so you know, and they they relate this in in uh, Zohar that you know you have bitter judgments or you have sweet judgments. If you go through the first gate, you know the judgments are going to be sweet. If you start manipulating and directing energies to to suit different people, so it becomes a uh, there's an inequality. Um, and it's and that the the top of the pyramid like is ignoring the base of the pyramid doesn't realize that it's dependent upon it. Then you know then you end up with bitter judgments. And so that you know we don't want to face this, but it seems like you know um, it seems like that's what's happening. You know, it's funny. I say I don't want to jump to conclusions, but certain information just like culminates and builds on itself, and it reaches a point where I'm like, okay, that seems to be what's going on. Well, you know, I, I was
3: uh, just going to ask a question, and you've sort of already answered it. Is 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 this? Uh, how do I even say the word? Is it are these occult um, symbols or synchro- occult synchronicities almost increasing? It sure seems like it to me. Like you're seeing it throughout. You just mentioned a, a bunch right there, but there's a whole bunch with Keck and Pepe and
1: and I, sure. mean, they,
3: I mean it goes on and on and on. So is that is that sort of what you're saying is a sign that this is shifting? because of that
1: right right well if you don't like if there's nothing you can really uh <laughs> i don't know it's kind of like take a position it feels so real you know it's like i mean with pepe it's weird because i look as soon as i saw pepe i was like pepe pay pay like pay is the tower and the letter pay is corresponds to the tower and so i see pay pay i see two towers like and the the point at which Hillary came forward and said said called Pepe a, a <laughs> Nazi su- supremacist, she's talking about a cartoon. Like that's the level that things have gotten to. Like she's yeah. literally she's looking at a, a cartoon figure come up by you know whatever internet n- nerds you know whatever, and she's saying this cartoon is a white supremacist and being super serious about it. And she and it, that comes out on nine eleven, the same day that she had her little her little fall. Oh, as soon I, didn't as I know that. Right. And as soon as I see her logo, her campaign logo with those, what apparently I'm like, am I looking at two pillars with a red arrow going to the right? And I'm like, is that Gavora going to Chesed? Like, is that like... Like, is that the severity going to the mercy? Because this is the the prophecy is very like it has this whole thing about the hemispheres of, of the collective brain. Right. So it's saying that, you know, we used to be, for lack of a better word, right brain dominant. Right. So we, we were like, in a sense, psychic or whatever. And over time, we've moved okay. further and further to the left. So the left is like basically trying to conquer the right. And so it's saying that like on a collective level, like it reaches a a crescendo, you know, a Zenith point where it's finally like, okay, now's the time to cross over. And it, it, it communicates this with the destruction of these towers. So it's saying in the years that follow the destruction that we go to make this movement on a collective level. But what we don't realize what we're oblivious to is that the, the left brain is actually come second in the formative order. So in that lightning flash, it's ex- like Ketter, the crown has two right sides. It's a paradox. And so like basically our, it starts with the right and then the left replicates and then it continues on with that process. Right, left, right, left, right, left. But it's, it's the fact that like basically it's its own foundation. So it's like, OK, you're going to conquer your foundation. And like I believe that this, you know, in all likelihood, this is what is uh, communicated with love is the law, love under will from Alistair Crowley. Because then it becomes a question of like, well, what's in power? Like, people assume that if something's on top of something, that it's in the place of power. But if it's on top of it, then it's dependent upon what's below it. And so, like, if, you you know, so so where it just really becomes a question of, like, what is power, you know? And we have these assumptions, and our whole empiric structure is based on these assumptions, and it moves forward in the midst of them. And so, you know, maybe there's something, like, completely foundational that's, you know, not just not being... Question, But not not being acknowledged in any real way. You know, Um, I mean, we go to war based on this idea of like what, you know, what needs to be done to maintain the power. It's like it's insane. You know, it's so. Yeah. Uh, Did I answer you? I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah.
3: No, I think so. I I think I just wondered if you thought there was a definite increase in occult synchronicities or symbolism. And I think that yeah, you know, yeah, you answered that. I mean, especially with all this. I mean, I don't even know if we want to go down that. that so is route, it all by design? Pizza design stuff as well. Well, some of it is probably, but the, you know, the Hillary logo is. But I mean, the stuff that happens, uh, like her saying out of nine eleven, I mean, that can't be by design.
1: Right. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Can. Maybe it can. I maybe mean, it when you maybe tell me nine
2: eleven's written into some Jewish book. I mean, maybe right. that's by design.
1: Right, but I but the you know, so this is they communicated like the, the 216 letter name. I don't So, uh, in the book of Exodus, there's three verses in a row that are all 72 letters. And they, the uh, this, if you've ever seen the film Pi. Hey,
2: isn't this like is, 72's it, uh important for another reason, right? 72, yeah, yeah, 72 like names of God. 72 is also the number of years in one degree of the of the procession, yeah
1: right there's a phenomenon where if you if you take eight trees of life and you group them into a circle and they all meet at the center point of keter so like the <laughs> the crown in the center you end up with 72 sphero and so this becomes you know the 72 names of god and, and all of this um so yeah and then so it's a it's a point of that 72 uh is the gematrical value of chesed so the top of the right pillar of the Kabbalistic tree uh you know uh that's mercy and so, opposite that is 26 two sixteen. So you have seventy two times three equals two sixteen, and there's three pillars. So, and then two sixteen is six times six times six. And so, uh, the the gematrical value of Gavura is also the gematrical value of a man in Hebrew. How you'd say a man. And this is why uh, in the New Testament, in Revelations, when it says this is the number of a man, behold, this is wisdom. You know all of that. It's actually, even though it's Greek, it's referring to the Hebrew gematria. And so that's why it says divide, add, multiply, and understand, because you can see six times six times six is 216. So it's telling you what it's referring to, what the beast is. And uh, this is communicated in the ba here as being a big red eye. Uh, also, that pathway that connects the two is related to as a birth canal. And so they say, like, at this time, we're basically like going through contractions of giving birth uh, to the next species. Um, and so that doesn't it's it's. Relates then to the fall because they're saying like this doesn't have to be a painful process, but because of our our compulsions, we make it so. And so that literally like we're 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 pushing this child out. And it's also emphasizing the idea of mutation. So like when we first when we're looking when we see signs of mutation, it's considered it's like terrifying. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're also we're looking at the skin of a snake. And so like we have we're the body of the snake in the midst of that. But like we look at the most topical level as if it's the most significant. Kind of like what I was saying before, like you're, you're taking something that's secondary to something else as though it were primary. And so like everything is backwards. And so that then relates to the cleipo why it's a it's a skewed reflection of ourselves. So like basically our body is moving forward ahead of our own perceptions. And so like we're, we're like it's hard to explain, but we're like ahead of ourselves because our skin is actually shedding. But we're looking at the shedding skin and we're terrified of it. So it's 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 saying that there's this governing intelligence uh, behind material existence and organic expression, and that you know despite the top the most topical what we see that ultimately you know everything gets reintegrated it's just you you have to back up far enough to see you know what will be in time and like in a sense like i would say oh well that's kind of like uh you know being like oh well we couldn't see the like the dinosaurs couldn't see us coming you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah it's assuming like the dinosaurs have intelligence like we did if they were trying to you know, um, uh, relate, like conceptualize, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to us? And like, we, like, you know, the, the, uh, in the, the prophecy, it's, it's heavily focused on the nullification of the clipo. And so literally, like, and that's uh, considered like reptilian. And so like, there's like this reptilian aspect of it that's being aspect of us that's uh, being nullified uh, over a long course of time. And that, you know, something else emerges, but that thing that emerges is unknown, like, because, you know, uh, things are uh, like everything is built on top of the last thing. So, like, just like, you know, this country, like uh, in America, you know, we we killed off the Indians, but like they're still here in a sense and we're aware of it. It's a large part of like what the film The Shining is a, a, about, you know, it's it's and not just with the Indians, but all over the place. Whatever you do, you know, it's embedded in the next thing, mm. And so like, we have like the dinosaurs in us as our reptilian brain. Like it has, like that's one place where I'm like, I think people really misunderstand uh, David Icke's stuff. Cause I don't, I'm not like promoting David Icke, but right, right. I, there's a certain, uh, you know, aspect of it that it feels hard to deny um, in terms of the, the reptilian uh, parts of ourselves, you know? Yeah. And it could uh, be, a,
3: it could be an evolved uh, consciousness. Like, or what, what we were talking about this before, Darren, with uh, traits that evolve through like almost like Rupert Sheldrake's uh, morphic resonance, right? Like we have these uh, traumatic memories through generation after generation that we still have. And that could be where some of that reptile fear comes from as well. And it's, and it seemed like you were talking about a metaphor for us waking up as, as a society. And I feel like even though this is this latest a uh, few months has sort of polarized everybody, it's also really shed some light on, a lot of stuff that's been hidden and people are waking up. I feel like you're just talking about a metaphor of that. Like and if we, and if we can get to a a minimum percentage, like a tipping point, maybe that's 5%, 1%, 10%, who knows? Maybe that'll tip the boat.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're looking for solutions and, and through the left brain and it, it can, it can give solutions, but it can't give like an ultimate solution, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like it it, it does its best <laughs> but its best is never going to be good enough and that's the problem. Cause it's not foundational and that's, you know, that's difficult. And all, all the contradictions are being shown right now. I mean, this is the thing is like, it's emphasizing this. I'm sorry. I just, I'm going to keep focusing on this uh, Zohar prophecy because I'm, I'm pretty damn obsessed with it. And I've been obsessed with it for a while. Cause it just, it lays certain, certain things out there, you know, and it's, it's describing these variables. So there's a, we're looking at what's the movement towards a one world government. It's emphasizing that, wow. um, uh, and then it's, it's saying that this one world government is the result of these uh, buildings being collapsed because the nation uses this as a springboard. And that this is the same reoccurring phenomenon that we've seen throughout time uh, where masses of people get manipulated through a traumatic event. And so it's basically saying that there's these variables that exist. One is the tears of the soldiers. So it's describing like all these soldiers ready to go to war uh, in the same way they had to two previous times prior. So it literally says Two global wars before this event—it's fucking crazy. Excuse me. I don't know. Is it okay to say the F word? Yeah, right? you bet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, and so, yeah. So basically, uh, it's saying people were able to be manipulated to go along with this program, and then after this event, that the it's, it's the the actual prophecy states that the king dies of that nation. It says the ruler dies. But then when you look at the commentary from the Ramach in the 16th century, which as far as I know has never been translated into English uh, other than myself and my teacher, wow. um, uh, at least not for the public. Even though this is text, I need to qualify. This is text as referenced by every secret, not so secret society. So whether you're <laughs> talking about the Golden Dawn, the OTO, Freemasonry, whatever, they're all drawing upon Zohar. And this is the only prophecy that I know of that exists in Zohar. My teacher has been studying it for years and years and years, and he's never heard of another one. Um, you know, and so – you know, uh, it has this whole thing where it's like the the uh, that the, the the leader that dies on that day is actually they say Samael. so it's a, it's the a Mem, it's the um, the governing intelligence of the Clepo. So that so basically, an, like everyone sees something, but that their right brain knows what they saw, but their left brain can't come to terms with it. So it's describing this cognitive dissonance. And it says that there's a lag time that exists after this thing takes place for people to come to terms with what they saw that day. Huh. And and so that and that our coming to terms with what we saw is coincident with this movement towards this one world government. And that when we actually the moment that we actually get that one world government, that that's the tipping point. So when I was describing the, the left side thinks it's going to swallow up the right side, but then it itself gets swallowed and transmutates into this other thing and pushes out the next species. It's a, it's relating that this movement, when that finally happens, is coincident with basically all of our greatest fears in terms of one world government, and so it has this whole thing with the tears of the soldiers standing there and unable to participate in what they had before because they see straight through it. Right, and then and then it also has uh, the the prayers of the small children, the saying that the that basically the children have been you know wronged. They're in a you Ooh, know
3: that's a, interesting,
1: right. That everyone is forced to reflect because of the the, oh, the children and their no prayers, way. and and then the, and then the third thing that I saw, and this is spread throughout the text. I was keeping my eye out for variables because uh, it's like it seems like okay, well, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, but what is different, you know? And uh, the the other thing uh, is the young scholars. So it's saying that the the old scholars relate to things in a certain way, but that the people who who are uh, doing um, research influence the way that it plays out as well. Um, and so, yeah, I thought,
3: <laughs> so what was it? What was the third one? The young researchers?
1: No, the yeah, young, the young, the young scholars, young Yeah, young
3: scholars. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, pretty that's far interesting.
3: Out. Yeah. Very interesting. So that could be anything from, I don't know, the new media or the new generation or just the, the collapse of the old God, This is so interesting. So I, that's kind of what I was going to ask you is what, was there a timeline, you know, of, of, of,
2: of, of the did future our show on Pepe and Keck? it just so happened that we randomly released it the same day as THC. Yeah. And neither, you know, no no one knew we were having the same guy on just poof, poof, and they both released the same day. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's, it seems as though that there's some like, you know, energy moves according to the whims of the great magnet, you know, and sometimes you just kind (laughs) of. So like, this this is my thing. I've I've produced over, um, well, I've uploaded uh, over 60 films uh, that are available on, on SyncBook Press and they're, they're all experiments with with album and uh, film pairing. So I've been working on that for over 20 years. Uh, that's been like my number one activity in my life. It's uh-huh. just like, you know, finding these these correspondences that exist between these things and running experiments. And so uh, basically, you know, the, the success rate for what I consider un, uncanny resonances has increased dramatically over the last few years. <laughs> so like, I would do this for days and every so often I would come up with one. Like, I mean, I would do this and it would be like, okay, well everything goes in sync with everything to some degree, but I'm interested in like that over the top where you're like, no, really? What the fuck? And so, yeah. And like, and I keep coming up against these like serious, you know, like what, what the hell? And so like, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know necessarily what it would take. I have certain musician friends who are just like, oh yeah, well why wouldn't they do that? And then I got a lot of friends who don't, that kind, you know who don't produce things like that who are just like why on earth would they do that you know it's just it's like this crazy juxtaposition and i find it really interesting that the majority of people that i share my experiments with um you know lean towards that that's just coincidence or like you know are not you know like if you say something's just a coincidence that kind of downplays or whatever and that's fine yeah, yeah but like it's like you know when it reach when it crosses that line and then you say, "Oh well, that then it's it's uh, synchronicity or it's cosmic." It's like I, I don't, I'm not saying one is correct and one isn't because I really don't know. In a lot of cases, you know, if I know a certain amount of the backstory, it just becomes like kind of like okay, like you know. But like you know, I find it really interesting that most people will see the more logical explanation being one of like cosmic profundity rather than mechanical intentionality. If that you know, if you follow me, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and like. I, it becomes a question of like well what what is the more rational explanation because you know like and it, it, or is it both or is it neither i don't even you know
4: <laughs>
3: yeah we we do a segment on the show and and we have listeners who have just been sending us synchronicity stories for years now and it's just non-stop and, and they're, so we kind of do like a little rating thing where they'll they'll we'll read them out and darren will rate them just for fun and and, uh, you know, so many of our guests have had major synchronicities that have started them on the path to the research that they're doing for, you know, that we talk about on the show. Like, you know, a lot of our guests that are into this interesting research have had major synchronicities that have either solidified their path or changed their path or, you know, turned them on to this, this new thing. It's, it's unbelievable.
1: Oh, yeah, to- totally. Um, so I just realized I was you had asked me something and I started in on it and then I ended up on a tangent, which is tends to happen here. Uh, but uh, no, the, about the two letter name, this is really significant. Um, so the the way that you would normally read uh, the name uh, in any kind, I don't know how to, if you'd say a working or whatever, but it's like, you know, you have these uh, the 72 triplet. And so the, the first um, the first verse is read uh, right to left. The second verse is read left to right. The third is read right to left again. Um, and the way that the uh, prophecy is relating to it is that these are these three pillars that are communicative of of the tree of life. And that when we go to, to approach the um, – when we go to dig in to the reality, you know, we're trying to see what's what, that we come up against a reversal – And so uh, that this this is the second 72. And then, like, basically, like that is it's relating that that is conspiracy and that that there are conspiracies and that people are doing all kinds of, you know, manipulative stuff like both just even in themselves and then by extension in the goings on of the world that basically corruption. So we go to dig and we find corruption and then it's acknowledging it's emphasizing this point that if you keep digging, that you end up coming to a place where, you know, there's there's a higher order that exists back in the other direction behind that layer. It's hard Mm -hmm. to explain. I can't explain it as well as what I transcribed, Uh, but it's this, this principle of like, You know, um, being like, okay, well, this is the reality. This is what we're dealing with. Everything appears to be going in one direction. And you're like, wait a minute, you know. And so people like talk about like taking the red pill. Like I'll hear fucking Alex Jones being like, take the red pill, all this stuff, you know. And it's like like, you know, referring to the Matrix. And it's like, okay, well, you know, relating to this is saying, well, you you know, you'd have that first movement and you've woken up and people relate to waking up to seeing the corruption. And so, but then the, the, what the, what the Zohar is relating is that, okay, no, that's the first stage. The second stage is seeing the profundity beyond what we can even, you know, conceive. And so people, you know, it's, it's hard enough because people experience such cognitive dissonance just with that first step. Cause when you see the corruption, it's like, oh my God, you know, what's going on? And I think that people, the way that they, the dichotomy, and this is kind of divisive, is that to acknowledge <clears throat> how profound. The um, correspondences are beyond that seems to be like it's one or the other, like that this negates that. Oh, which position do you take? Right, like someone right. call me a synchromistic and think that somehow me being a synchromistic is negating the the very, you know, true uh, corruption that's going on. Like, oh, so you you prefer the happy reality of that every that there's a great magnet and everything has this divine order. And so that there's no, you know, but uh, the two are coexistent. Um, one is foundational to the other, and that's a big point. So it becomes a question of like, what do you take as primary? So like, I would take the, um, you know, the synchronicity as primary. I would say correlation doesn't equal causation, and that should be something to remember all the way through. That you know, like if I'm going to follow this through, I got to consider that just because something correlates doesn't mean it's, you know, connected. I can say that it is, but that doesn't necessarily make it so. You know, um, the term synchronicity uh, came from a, a beetle in Liverpool. I don't know if you know about this. So, <clears throat> uh,
3: so like, I don't think I do. Do you know? Yeah. Character? So uh, uh, it's. I thought it was Carl Jung or something like that.
1: But. Right. Right. So Carl Jung was in Liverpool. Um, <laughs> oh, right. So so there was a there was a there was a woman who, uh, who was, was doing the couch trip thing. And he's he's sitting there psychoanalysis. She's describing this dream where she was uh, she had the scarab in a dream. And she's describing a scarab and she's going into this whole all these details around and she's visualizing the scarab. Well, while she's talking, a beetle flies in the window oh, and I she's remember. got her eyes yeah, closed. Yeah. yeah, it's at the beginning of a synchronicity and a causal principle. And he grabs the beetle and he and he does something against protocol. You know, you're just supposed to sit there and listen, you know, and he's like, open your eyes. And she opens her eyes and she sees this beetle and she's like, no, oh, my God, you know. But it was just because of what that did in her consciousness to have. Her her something that she was drawing upon from a dream and then to see it externalized had this effect, you know, and that that, that those shouldn't be linked. There is no rational explanation for her to be talking about this beetle and for the biggest scarab that or the strangest scarab, I guess, that Jung had ever seen fly in the window at that moment you know and he could not he was so compelled he didn't know what else to do to to, to say open your eyes look at this you know this yeah. is happening you know and that was actually where where the term synchronicity originated was because of the you know the effect that that experience had upon him and so then i then you go from there and you're like isn't it crazy how much synchronicity surrounds the freaking Beatles from Liverpool? Like it goes on for days, and you know, and I, you know, I, I I had this impression, you know, that the whole Paul is dead thing, you know, I I can entertain certain things, whatever, but I didn't realize that the 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 most hardcore researchers who are, who are generally much older, who have been following this for years, they're generally in agreement that Paul didn't die, but they're almost all in agreement that they had a um, somebody who had gotten some kind of plastic surgery who would literally take his place for periods of time and their, their rationale for that is actually pretty pretty sane like they're looking at um you know all of these photographs all these photographs for days and days and days and they're making comparisons but the the changes that they see in Paul stay completely consistent so you could say oh in a photograph maybe shadows or maybe this or that and it's like no no it's it, it stays true and it's only for these periods of time huh. and then it will go back and stuff and so they're just you know um they're they're generally in agreement so I mean I don't I definitely going on a big tangent here but Um, I find it really interesting that it's that is a case where you're like, it seems as though that they they, they were really trying to get people to question what was like, because it's like an authoritative thing, you know, to be like, no, the Beatles are the Beatles, you know, like, here they are. Here's what's going on with them. Their whole lives are documented. You know, Paul disappeared for a few years, you know, and he came back and he looked different, you know, and it's like really different
3: (laughs) and much shorter. or taller or whatever. Yeah, right. you
1: know, all kinds of things. Yeah, his chin, his, his eyebrows, his nose, you know, all these things changed. And, and But the, the, the point is, is like, you know, people can't come to terms with the idea of like a really big lie. And people have a hard time, you know, I think recognizing that just because something's a big lie also doesn't mean that there's that many people in on it. How many people are on a need to know basis? Like, I don't think that I doubt very much that George Bush knew anything about 9-11 before, during, or after like, yeah, who was, yeah. what was that? Like, he looks pretty clueless during My Pet Goat, you know. Also, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> he, does, he doesn't He does look like he has any idea what the frick is going on. I'm like, I don't know, but it's like, I think that there's some, there's some value in keeping people in the dark.
4: Yeah,
3: like, he, he might have known about certain levels of it, but I don't think he knew of the full, uh, all the levels. Like, we had Joseph Farrell on, and he talked about the different levels of that conspiracy. And, I mean, George could have been you know, aware of some of the sort of lower end ones, maybe just that a plane would crash or, or just that there was something going on with hijackers or, or terrorists. I mean, he could have been just in, in, you know, in the know of there's going to be something happening, you know? Right. (laughs) But yeah, but I mean, maybe there's, maybe especially with him, maybe there's more value in just keeping him in the dark
1: yeah well that's you know. what i'm i'm considering you know yeah. and a lot of stuff i'm seeing in media and stuff and all these actors and what what whatever you know like i don't think that they that they're on a need to know basis around what is no, being exactly. conveyed yeah. in, the, in the hollywood's own mythology you know um you know the, my, my first introduction to that idea was from my uh, uh sister-in-law who i haven't seen in a long time but you know she uh communicated to me that you know she was in a, a, a small parts in a bunch of series of movies. And she was like, you know, she was one of the three mermaids in the, in the movie hook that kisses Robin Williams, you know? And then they had asked her to be one of the vampires in bed with Keanu Reeves in Bram Stoker's Dracula. And she swore to me she was like, I'm convinced that the casting directors needed me to be one of those three vampires because I was one of the three sirens. And she was like, you know, that, that, that that was very important to them. And, uh, you know, I (laughs) don't, I I uh I don't I don't know but uh the fact that she was so serious adamant about that point I, I it just it really affected me that the idea that Hollywood would have its own uh mythological way of relating to these things and I don't I think that that's a very common uh thing and and ultimately like I don't take that necessarily as all that malicious I think yeah, that there's yeah. like yeah it's like people trying to uh initiate others without their knowledge and i think that scares a lot of people but it's kind of like well if you look at where we're at in terms of our symbol literacy uh generally speaking people aren't that symbol literate you know like i don't i don't think when hillary first saw her logo she probably even knew what it really was going to mean for her you know it's like (laughs) it's a time warp it's just a step to the left another step to the right like we go around the circle and you know yeah
2: (laughs) yeah that's interesting
3: yeah, I don't know. I don't.
2: I don't think that's necessarily malicious. Yeah, like an airplane flying into a building too.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, that's my that's what I'm saying It's like the symbol, The symbolism of that. It's like and also that you're going you're going from the left to, to the right, not just in a political sense, but in a Kabbalistic sense. That's very significant because you, you're you're going to use you're going coming from a place of severity to attack the mercy, not realizing that the mercy is the foundation of the severity. Like I keep saying, but that's yeah. that's what I see when I see that. And that's what 9-11 communicates, you know, is that, you know, and like this is my thing. Uh, you know, this is one place where I, I would actually say, okay, well, this is my belief is that, you know, none, no sacrifices for not. Like, I don't feel that that those people's lives was for was for nothing. And like, I I think it's absolutely I'm obviously beyond horrible, the things that we're doing and the things that are going on and whatever. But like, you know, these the fact is these things are happening and have happened, you know, and every false flag event You know, if people are actually harmed in that, that like in time, because of the nature of uh, not just uh, communications, but technology, like we're dropping the um, the uh, the veil from like what stands between us and what's actually happening, like that's all contributing to that. Like when you go over that video of that that plane and the wing goes behind the building that it should be in front of during 9 11, like you can see what they did. Like there's so many people at the time that were like, that was a military aircraft, that was a black plane with no windows. All these people say that. So many people who witnessed it say that, and yet that's not what you see in the footage. And but the but they used a different formatting than we use today for the layering. And so you can even see the line between the building and the plane. Like, they in real time inserted a fake plane <laughs> over what was right in front of you. And like, we all watched that on the news, but it wasn't what was actually going on. But like, in time, the tech, like that worked then when people were watching it live. But when you're going over it and over it, just like the Zapruder film, we can see it's been edited. The car slowed down dramatically, yet we see it going the same speed. But now, with what we have, what our capabilities at this point to go back over, that old footage, like we can see what they did, you know, how it was doctored. And so the same thing goes for 9-11, same thing goes for a lot of these things. It's just like we can see, um, you just give it some time. I mean, at this point, it's over 70% of the population, If I mean, probably beyond that, but this is like, you know, uh, probably 10 years ago, doesn't believe the official story of the JFK assassination. Yeah. Now, how, how many people don't believe the official story of 9-11? 9 was impossible, it can't happen. It doesn't follow any rule of any standard demolition, and it sure as hell doesn't follow any rule of the official story. We look at we're looking at buildings disintegrating, like fast. You know, there was 14 survivors in the second story of Tower Two. You know, they describe light coming in from above. A yeah, couple of them. Yeah. And it's like that can't happen. There was a row of cars that was completely burnt to a crisp right in front of the towers, uh, right next to, directly next to a row of trees that are completely unsinged.
3: Yeah, and yet yeah, there's all that, this paperwork and dust floating around, but no metal, no steel, right.
1: and no
2: concrete. Yeah, m- right. A bit like of concrete down ground, left, but down really to ground zero, just like that. Like there's photographs on ground zero of that day, and you can see buildings across the thing, it, yeah. and you can see like street level things.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's impossible, and yet it happened. And so, and people are all assuming that they know what you know. They they think they know what the technology is, and it's like, no, we've seen in Gaza, we've seen in uh, Iraq, a lot of technology being used that isn't easily explained. And it's, and I think what's the the positive side about this, if there if there is one, is that whatever technology that is could be used for other means. It doesn't have to be used for destructive means. What are they? What 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 capability do we actually have? You know, yeah, that could be turned around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, that's why when I'm looking at this prophecy, and I'm seeing that there, you know, even though it's describing some pretty scary aspects to the thing, I, I, I take it as as ultimately extremely positive. And it also gives me an idea for how some people can, can rationalize, uh, not the event itself at, you know, uh, like it's hard to explain, but like, I can see why when you're, when you're going over it, being in a position where you know that you can't not everyone is in a position to come forward in any direct way other than through artistic means. And in order to do that, you have to do it in a subversive way. Like you can't just like come out and say something, because if you do, there goes everything for yeah, you yeah. And, your fa- and your family, you know. Um, and so we've seen what happens to people who do do that. Uh, and there's a lot of them.
3: <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to tell us that uh, your sister-in-law was after acting in that movie that she was asked to do uh, crisis acting or something like that
1: oh no well actually if you want to know the story with her she uh she went to a screening of like a jet lee movie at a certain point in her career and uh, they were going through afterwards they're asking everyone what they thought and uh, everyone was like green light green light you know this was they're deciding on whether or not to release this thing it was the first showing for this like group of execs and all of that and they get to her and they're like what did you think and she was like i hate it i don't know why we keep producing this crap and uh, she. <laughs> She thought she left this really bad impression, but the next day she gets a phone call from Jack Nicholson's secretary. And uh, this woman says, Hey, you know, Jack was at the screening. He's really interested in you. He'd like to meet you. And she's like, Oh, really? She's really surprised. And so she goes out to Jack's mansion, like right after that. And uh, Butler lets her in or whatever. She's sitting in the living room. She sees a giant bowl of shredded $100 bills in the middle of the room that he uses for his fire. And uh, she was in that room for a really long time before he finally came out. And when he did come out, he came out in a bathrobe and proceeded to do more coke off the table than she'd ever seen one man do. And then he fucking undid his bathrobe and straight up like came at her like this is what's happening. And she freaked out. And basically (laughs) Jack Jack Nicholson got high on coke and tried to rape my my sister-in-law. She she actually ran away from the, from the house. She ran away, and she never got another gig in Hollywood.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, geez. I mean, would she even want one after all that? That's crazy.
2: Yep. Shredded $100 bills for your fire.
1: Right. For real. Yep. Yeah. And so I got to listen to uh, uh, recordings on her answer machine at the time from Jack Nicholson, and they were creepy as hell. Like Sh- Shannon, it's Jack. I, I gotta see. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, that gives you a glimpse into what it's like there. And between that and all these crazy, uh, parties they're having with, uh, you know, all these, uh, Abramovich type parties. I mean, it's just it, this, all this stuff that's coming out, it's not that hard to believe.
1: Right. Well, there's certain there's certain things. And, uh, I, you know, I don't not everyone's on the same page. And that's the difficulty when you're talking about secret, NASA so secret societies, is that not everyone has the same intentions. Not everyone's coming from the same places. Not everyone's participating in all the same the same things, to, at least not to nearly the same degree. Um, and so, you know uh, that. So this is this crazy thing. Kubrick. Releases Eyes Wide Shut. It, what could be called his final request is the release date of Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. So that was his chosen release date. A year to the day of the release of Eyes Wide Shut was the infiltration of Bohemian Grove. Considering that the um, cremation of care starts at dusk and goes past midnight, and so the, the the a year to the day of the release of Eyes Wide Shut, Bohemian Grove. Eyes Wide Shut is the closest window into ritual elite parties. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in in film, uh, Bohemian Grove. Being infiltrated, uh, we say it's infiltrated by Alex Jones, but not necessarily. He's physically the one in there, but it was John Ronson's uh, thing. So John John Ronson, uh, uh, the man who was, was behind, uh, when you watch both documentaries, both the one that Alex put out and the one that John Ronson put out later yeah. of – that process of how they got in there. You can see that John Ronson is the one. He's the one with the map. He's the one who tells them the times. He's the one who tells them everything. Um, that guy produced Kubrick's boxes. He is the only man at that time that is known that had was given complete access to all of Kubrick's archives. How is it that the guy who made it possible to infiltrate Bohemian Grove a year to the day of the release of eyes wide shut is the only guy given access to all of Kubrick's boxes. that That's crazy. So Kubrick had a warehouse of boxes, you know, I don't know if you've seen that documentary. It's that, pretty good. No,
3: that is really crazy. And then doesn't that have something to do with Kubrick's passing away too and, and somewhere related to that?
1: Yeah. He, he died right after the first showing of eyes wide shut. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh. and so, yeah, it's very, very <laughs> peculiar to say the least. Um, so, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't, he, people are going with the program to the degree that's necessary for them to continue to produce what they're producing a lot of the time. And like I think that there's a lot of misunderstood artists. I would say Lady Gaga is a very misunderstood artist. I don't think she has a lyric that doesn't have triple meanings. And it, they work best when they when the, the topical meaning is extremely comes across as extremely superficial. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but i i'm I, in my estimation and i don't i don't know this in any absolute terms but it seems to me that every album that she produces is is made specifically you know for a pairing of, of film and so i i have those on my site i stand i stand by them as as if nothing more extremely questionable um You know, correspondences Uh, and then they tend to to go more direct as the film goes on. So the album makes a round. So it's almost like a uh, it comes across as like a gift for the faithful. So the people who have enough faith to continue watching the thing, they get a prize, basically, Uh, well, so how yeah. how
3: else would would gaga be misunderstood like misunderstood in what way like uh, as far as the masses not knowing the depth of the meaning in that or in ter-
1: yeah in terms of people people jump to kind of like uh if somebody is is uh doing a satire that is extreme on something you know they become the very thing that yeah, they're that yeah. they're wanting to point out. So she's like Marilyn Manson helped her become who she is because her first her debut album, Manson was there. He, he you can uh, listen to uh, the recordings they did uh, that were, uh, you know, supplemental material for the album with Marilyn Manson. And it's like he's the Antichrist. That's his thing. But his Antichrist thing is a play on Jack Parsons. You know, Jack Parsons calls himself the Antichrist, so he's going to co- go ahead and call himself the Antichrist, just like uh, Aleister Crowley would call himself the Beast in in reference to Gavora, you know. um, And so you have this, uh, <clears throat> you have somebody, you know, uh, kind of like going to extreme measures, apparently, uh, to make a ritual both half revealed and half concealed at the same time. So she makes herself the Scarlet Woman. You know that that is her representation but it's a, it's meant to be a mirror as far as I can tell a mirror and a reflection of what those archetypes are are, are conveying and like what what we're seeing before us so in, instead of you know pointing your finger and saying oh you know you're like well I'll, I'll do a, a theatrical representational model of what it is that is actually going on you know mm-hmm. uh, at least in, in terms. In terms of archetypes, because, um, you know, you can only point at an archetype. You can never see an archetype. That was one of uh, Jung's biggest frustrations with his students. He had these students for years and they couldn't get past that idea because they're, you know, you're, you're doing dream analysis and stuff. But, do you, but the archetypes themselves are also subject to change. They're malleable. There's nothing fixed about them. You can't contain them. You know, a symbol is something else the symbol is is obviously open to interpretation yeah. uh, and is malleable, but the archetype behind the thing is, is another matter. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's beyond that. It's, it's beyond our ability to be like, okay, this is what this is and pin it down completely. Cause it doesn't work that way. Cause it's alive yeah. in his idea. Yeah. You
3: know? yeah that's fascinating. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> so I see what you mean about the, the Gaga and stuff. It's not just that she's uh you know, performing for the Illuminati or as an Illuminati symbolism, but there's part of it is, is she's waking people up to it as well. And she's also could, it could be in satire.
1: Yeah. That's my, that's my feeling on it. Yeah, I'm not going yeah, like, to yeah, say, yeah. Yeah. Here And be like, no, no, you know, def- you know, no, and that's but, uh, not that's- all the examples either. That's just, you know. Right. Yeah. That's my extrapolation. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's Metropolis. Uh, film Metropolis from 1926 was a, uh, you know, a Kabbalistic feat. It's like the, the symbolism in Metropolis is is, you know, uh, is Zohar in a nutshell. Uh, pardon the wow. pun. So um, it, it was uh, Radio Gaga was where the name came from, admittedly. So from her producer, right? Uh, she, uh, Radio Gaga was a Queen song. Yeah, and if you yeah, watch like the that. music video for Radio Gaga, it's all Metropolis symbolism. I mean, they're in Metropolis. They take Queen and put them there, you know. Um, and so that's uh, the whole idea of the replicant. So you have the high priestess of the slaves being, you know, the the, um, the their actual the people's actual religion, and that how the religion gets hijacked is the point, and how it gets it, it's the the uh, type of manipulation of the masses. And so this is this is what we've seen over and over again. There's all the evidence for it. You know, uh, 2000 years ago, um, you know, you have uh, gospel Christianity is being pushed by the Roman uh, royalty. You know, the Flavian court are the first. People pushing for gospel Christianity, yet Christianity has every indication that this is actually, you know, it's grafted onto the messianic tree, but it's emerging from the lower classes of Judea. Now, if the gospel were actually, you know, of the people, why would it be written in Greek? And you can prove that it was originally written in Greek in all kinds of ways. And a lot of Christians are aware of that. It's funny because if you get into an argument with a with a scholarly Christian, you know, they'll try and tell you that the New Testament isn't the original manuscript of the greek because if it's if it's the greek then it's not the people's religion it's a it's another version you know and but they, that's i like I say there's like there's every indication of that they, they've been proven prob, uh, probabilistically that there's no way um that that was written by people who had no contact uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, yeah. um, yeah. So this is to, uh, that's one of Joseph, Joseph Atwell's things, though. I don't agree with all of, uh, Joseph Atwell's, uh, extrapolations, uh, that he presents often in a very authoritative way. Uh, I do think that the, the main points of probability that he points out are, um, hard to, um, hard to argue with. Yeah. Uh, they're just, they're there, you know, um, can we,
3: so, can yeah. we, uh, can we speculate on your on your prophecy here? Like the tears of the soldiers, the prayers of the small children, and the young scholars. Like, are you? What's what's the timeline? You would, if you were to speculate, or even just throw some, you know, ideas out there. Like tears of the sho- soldiers being like the next, uh, you know, lead up to whatever conflict we're almost in right. right now. And the prayers of the small children maybe to do with Pizzagate or, what are you right? Are your well, thoughts? I
1: don't know. I- I, I can speculate all over the place with that. All I can tell you is that as far as the prophecy is concerned, it gives the exact date of 9/11, and it gives the exact date of the TSA. Beyond that, it just it like the the commentary and of this whole thing. It goes into this whole like, oh man, it doesn't know, and it doesn't claim to know. It's just playing around with the dates for days, and it's like I, you know, like you can see, it's like this. Total exploration of like trying to figure out how to de- determine what what follows, and even you know like um, yeah, it, it it it's not as specific when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it just it just it, it acknowledges a lag. It acknowledges this interval after the, the this event that happens in this the city of power with the destruction of the towers. I mean, and even, a third, th-
3: yeah, no, even just a. a- on the surface, it's interesting enough. I mean, just to those three sentences have meaning to me. I mean, uh, into what's going on right now.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, man. I just want to get my kicks in before the whole shit house goes. No, <laughs> <laughs> not really. Is there any uh, more
2: dates coming up, or like nine eleven's it?
1: Well, the thing with 9-11 is that the, the point is, okay, so Tisha B'Av is uh, the, the ninth day of Av. So it's the ninth day of the 11th month in the Hebrew calendar. And so it's communicating that the clothotic version, because it works as a mirror, is going to be a re- literally a reflection of Tisha B'Av. And Tisha B'Av is cyclical. And not only that, but it's, it's not just like, it's not one event. It's expressing that the fall of the empire will repeatedly communicate the same fundamental dynamics, and so that's why the two towers. It's 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 communicating that we externalize the the dynamics of consciousness in form uh, and are compelled to do it in this way, and so you know we go through a cycle of teach above. and so you know uh, like it's not it's not saying that this is going to be. It doesn't give the date of Tisha B'Av as it's been in the Hebrew calendar. It gives what is apparently a random date, and this is what is so trippy about it is because it's only nine eleven in our calendar, the day that it gives. Oh, right. Yeah. Even though eleven nine is what it is in their calendar in the past, and so this is why it's like it. It kind of gets irrefutable because if you're following it through, I mean, I mean, it really is when you're just looking at the dates. But um, yeah, it's like the, the that's all. And it has this whole thing about a about a star. Um, it seems to be describing something going on with Sirius that the whole world witnesses this phenomenon happening with this star. And I don't know, it could be allegory. I'm not entirely sure, although it doesn't seem to be pointed allegory because it's usually like when it's talking about allegory, it actually stresses that. So, you know, like there's ancient Kabbalistic text that describes, you know, God as an old man with a beard. Uh, but if you look at the, the introduction to that text, uh, which I did, I transcribed it with my teacher relatively recently it must have said 20 30 times emphasizing the point not to make the mistake of taking any of this literally like we're about to go into this whole description of the strands of the beard and what they communicate and all this stuff but it's like Metaphor, 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 like get that straight. And so it's just so funny that like what people do with with that stuff, you know, and so like but like with the star, it didn't it didn't seem to be doing that. And so what's weird is that like and I don't know, this is totally correlation to the doesn't equal causation. But if you go to Google um, Sky right now uh, or to um, Microsoft Telescope, you'll see that you're not allowed to look at the planet Sirius. I mean, this is the star Sirius uh, there's 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 two stars, right? You got Sirius A and Sirius B and they're blotched out with this like yellow Photoshop thing. And like, I'd love to see somebody with a telescope right now that's strong enough to take a take a look at Sirius because that's really weird. I don't know why they don't want you to see Sirius. It's like I don't get it. Um But yeah, I mean, it's our twin star. So like we move with Sirius and uh, apparently like I'm no astronomer, but from my little understanding and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, we move our Earth moves with the moon around our sun, apparently in the same way that our sun moves with Sirius around another center. Right. Oh, that's crazy.
3: And so Darren's on Google Sky right now. And uh, (laughs) is that a big, ugly blotch on
2: Sirius? Yeah. yeah, see it? Yeah.
3: But now wow, it
2: shows Alpha Centauri.
3: So he's, he's searching Alpha Centauri, and that shows it just as a bright star with a blue ring around it, like, you, like you're looking at a star. And then when you ch- check out Sirius, it's got this, it's like, yeah. it's like someone in Photoshop just painted a blob over it.
1: Right, right, right. So it's been that way, as far as I know, for at least a year and a half. It was like a year and a half ago or whatever, I went to look up Sirius again. And I've seen Sirius before, before this. I know it used to be yes. Okay, on Google Sky. So you used to be able to see it, and then at a certain point, they just did that. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's pretty crazy. And what was crazy is like I found that at the right around the same period when I come across this thing in the prophecy about the star. You know uh, that something happens with the star. It's like it's very like vague around the particulars around what its significance is. But it's saying that it's a star that the whole world sees something happening. It also is this thing where they're they're emphasizing that people are seeing things, but they're not able to come to terms with what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like literally, like you know, uh, they, it's not it's it's direct, but it's it. The, but their um, ability to com- uh, to put it into perspective is not. There. Or
3: context, yeah,
1: yeah, or context, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So, are you putting? Speaking of context, are you, are you? This all sounds pretty new. Are you? Are you able to put this into film soon? Soon, so people can watch it. Or how? how yeah, are you...
1: yeah. Like, I, um, so basically, what I, what happened was, is I, you know, I have a friend. He's a basketball player, and um, he uh, made a film called Back to the Future predicts nine eleven, and it <laughs> was, uh, it, it, you know, it went totally viral. We got million views now like two million of those views were in like a couple days and like and and so he basically was given uh he was told he could play for all these different places they gave him a list they're like he he played in russia for i believe five years and they told him he could play at all these places professionally overseas he used to play for the chicago bulls so they were like you can play here 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 or you can play in santa cruz california not professionally and so he chose santa cruz california produce so he so we could hang out and nerd okay. out on synchronicity. Wow. And, and so yeah, it's my one of my synchronicity buddies. And so he ended up coming to my place. He s- sat in on study sessions with my rabbi where oh, we are going over awesome. prophecy and all this stuff. And then and then he goes and he produces this film, uh this short film, obviously, <laughs> uh YouTube video of Back to the Future predicts 9/11. Now, He didn't know that it was going to blow up as it did. You know, we had a special on Comedy Central about it and all this stuff on After Midnight or whatever. And it was just like, wow, okay. And uh, so, you know, he knew that I had a lot to contribute around what that was. Because I I relate, you know, that the the, with the walk because he's emphasizing the walk that this guy is literally like embodying the golden bow ritual and, you know, challenging the kingdom, this whole thing. And the fact that it's oblivious makes it more profound. Anyways, whatever. I'm looking at this whole prophecy and I, you know, and he knows that I, 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 you know, I would love to produce something, but my computer just went down. I'm like having all this difficulty. I'm, I'm having experiencing these challenges and he buys me a fucking computer uh, to produce the sequel. And so uh, in the last uh, over a year, I've been working on the sequel and I had everything. Uh, I had my external hard drive crash because I'm just pushing it so far and all this stuff. And uh, anyways, it, uh, now I have a seven and a half hour film up uh, called Sorry, Cassandra, I Misunderstood, Everything Predicts 9-11. <laughs> I, and, was uh, checking,
3: I was checking that out before the show, and I was like, I can't believe this thing's seven hours. I was trying to get a couple snippets out of it.
1: Right. So it's it's divided into two main sections. It has an, it has an intermission. Um, I'm focused heavily on the band ABBA. And so I'm actually I'm taking a trip to Sweden here to try and track down Benny Anderson. I'm not sure if it'll work out, but I'm trying to trying to meet the songwriter of ABBA to show him my film. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, when I go there, I'm going to try and navigate. Well, he used to be friends with my uncle. So my uncle's famous in Sweden. um, And, uh, you know, back in the 80s, they used to hang out and my cousin has some connections and I'll see how it goes. You know, uh, I'm I'm feeling like if I approach him, it could come across as kind of a stalker thing. But if he, if I'm given like two minutes, he'll get where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah. And, and and so yeah, I just I don't know. I'm am on, on this mission right now because uh, Abba is Hebrew for father. I don't know. So the, and the the way that Abba was communicated with the with the mirror effect, is Abba and Ima are the two upper uh, of the supernal. So you have Hochma and Bina. That's Abba and Ima And so there's no question, like what Abba's you know. Referring to and uh, it's it's a pretty complicated thing here, but um, I'll drop something on you if you're yeah yeah yeah.
3: yeah. And I want to ask you about Pink Floyd after this too, but
1: oh sure yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah, religious about Pink Floyd man. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's a, it's the same principle. Like it was Dark Side of the Moon, Wizard of Oz, you know. Uh, but so basically, the, 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 there was this film that came out that was called The Visitor in 1980. And it's a very strange film. And my friend Alex Fulton was just tripping out on it, you know, and um, I, I went and I was watching it. And I was like, what the hell is up with this movie? This is fucking weird. And so I do this kind of thing I normally do. I just look up release dates of films and see if anything significant happened on that day. Okay. And uh, and I look up the release date of this film. And I see that the the second biggest hotel fire in the U.S. happened the day and year that this film was released in the U.S. Uh, it was originally the film was originally called Stridulum, <clears throat> which means just shriek or scream. Right. But as the MGM Grand Casino in Paradise, Nevada, burnt down day and year, and the thing was constructed as a giant Mayan pyramid, and there's no freaking fire escapes. And I'm just like, and then it, and then I'm looking up news footage on it, and they say that, oh, the alarm system was knocked out. And then they go along with what they're talking about. I'm like, what the hell is up with this event? And so <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm watching this news footage, and they say at the end, they say this was the second biggest hotel fire in the US. The first was in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, with the Weinkoff Hotel. And so I realized that I'm like, wait a minute, this movie takes place in Atlanta, Georgia. And I realized <laughs> not only not, not only that, but the whole film pivots around the location of the first biggest hotel fire. And so I'm like, wow, this seems like there's prior knowledge of uh, of the MGM Grand event. And I'm, you know, and I'm like, and this movie is also like produced by a production company that didn't produce anything else like this. Like the, the quality level is out of control, it's directed really well. Uh, I look at this guy's other films, this is his only film in English. Everything else is in Italian. And this is the only film where he has any big actors. He's got a ton of big actors. He's got fucking Shelley Winters from Lolita, you know, Stanley Kubrick's Lolita and stuff. I'm it's like, what's going on? This girl in the film undoes a fire escape with her mind. There's like all this stuff. And then I find out that Abba... The band, the last thing that they ever produced was called The Visitors, and it came out shortly after this film, The Visitor, which originally in the US, the original posters that came out literally said The Visitors, and they changed it to The Visitors. So I'm like, so, it, and then if you pair The Visitors with The Visitor, it's out of control, uncanny. And so, um, it, and so the, the fire took place in Paradise, Nevada, like I was saying, the director went by an alias, uh, Michael J. Paradise, it's not his fucking name. Like, and then it also took place on Archangel Michael's feast day. And so I'm just like, and like, and like, this is the thing. Like I, I know feast days of, of Catholicism, you know, and I, like, it's the syntax of it experientially. Cause I'm like, okay, uh, Michael, and there's like an angel passing through my room is the big song on the visitors, you know? And so I'm like, don't tell me it's Archangel Michael's feast day. Don't tell me. It's, it's the same thing I was saying, like with the 68 days with the TSA thing. I'm like, this can't, you know, and I go to look it up and I'm like, oh, shit, it's the fucking day. <laughs> and so like, like, what? what is the probability of that for me to think that in the first place to be like, oh, my God, is this going to be what I think it is? Because it's 360, you know, five days in a year. I'm like, OK. And so, yeah. So but then I realized that I'm like, oh, OK, Abba produced these other six songs um, in the years that followed uh, that they added to the album The Visitors. And so the six songs includes uh, Cassandra and Cassandra in Greek legend, you know, had the ability to see into the future, but as a punishment from Apollo uh, for her not accepting his uh, advances sexually, he ends up making it a curse where no one will ever believe her predictions and that no amount of her being able to see the future can stop it from happening. And so she sees the fall of Troy. And so this is what Abba's singing about in these extra songs. And like, this is all like, after the fact like i'm looking at this in terms of prophecy and then i find out that one of the songs that they added is about someone's ability to prophesize and then um i took uh, the film artificial intelligence uh which was you know stanley kubrick's last project that was executed by steven spielberg right that came out a few months before 9-11 and shows the two towers in new york with the water i don't know if you've seen artificial intelligence but there's this whole predictive thing with That's 9-11 like in the there
2: kid right the robot yeah. kid
1: Right. And so um, I basically I took the six songs and I I took the end of those songs and aligned it to the end of the film artificial intelligence. And I looped it backwards as it would to show me where it would begin. And uh, I realized that it, it actually it's hard to explain. You have to see it in my film. Uh, sorry, Cassandra. But the two actually meet in a way that the, like the probability would have to be in the millions. I don't know how the fuck and like, I never tried these things with anything else like <laughs> the song ends and the next song begins and you can cut into the other film before the other, like, cause it's uh, I do. I, and I did it with a four square um, means. So I, t- I took the rounds that those six songs would make on their own. And I divided the film into four squares to demonstrate so that you're looking at where it would land on its own all at once. And so I attached that into the visitor and it just, it, it's all to the second. And so like, you know attached it to the
3: visitor or artificial to artificial intelligence
1: visitor. okay so i attached artificial intelligence into the visitor right. before the before the visitor is ended okay, and it, yeah, cl- yeah, it yeah. And took over yeah. the six songs where the last where that other song ended and so it flows like you you it require, you'd have to see it and it requires some uh, you know, some some thought, some critical thought to realize what you're actually looking at. Yeah. Um, but what you're looking at defies probability. It's out. Of, it's out of this world. <laughs> and so, and then that's the thing is that I'm like, it's all all pointers, and I don't know. Like I keep repeating, but this is the thing. I don't fucking know. But all signs point to prior knowledge of an event on the part of this director. Um, who uh, I, I I speculate this thing could have even have been produced by MGM, and they didn't put their name on it. I don't fucking know. Uh, but uh, like this whole um revealing about this m g m grand fire uh this whole communication around it, and then it seems as though the same thing happened with nine eleven and they attached the two rituals together and made them one thing um and so yeah <laughs> <I don't laughs>
3: that is crazy so how how does back to the future again predict nine eleven Is there a couple different things in there?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, if you if, you know, you have to watch uh, my that, friends. video. Yeah. Oh, for uh-huh. sure. And I'll, I'll put that in the show uh-huh. notes, too, for sure. For everybody, they can
3: just click on. It.
1: Yeah, it was funny. I actually ended up including it in my film, the, his film, because I showed it to a friend and I assumed that he had seen it because I'm like, oh, well, everyone's seen this. But it's like three million people these days, whatever. It doesn't mean everyone's seen it. And so I just I, I, I realized, oh, you don't realize even what I'm doing. I was like, I'm, this is a sequel. <laughs> you know this and and my i made my thing as kind of a joke on um that thing with so back in 1968 when everyone went to go see 2001 a space odyssey they presented it as the ultimate trip that was how it was advertised and so you know people were dropping acid to go see it in the theater but the thing is and i've experienced this if you'd go and you do that and then you go to see the movie and then you you walk out of the theater you still got to drive home like or whatever you're now you're out of the theater and yeah. now you're high yeah. And so I was like, well, 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 why don't I, like, not that people are going to see this in a theater, not like it's like that, but just as a joke, I'm like, what if I actually produce a film that you could schedule a trip to and it will last the whole trip? And so that was, that was my justification for oh, making it as long.
3: I see. Okay, that's pretty good. So it's, like a,
1: it's like a play on 2001, yeah. And,
3: <laughs> and I like how you got it, that's a space odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Internal yeah.
2: space.
3: He's got a. I liked your thing on Facebook there with the guy taking a selfie of his ass.
1: Oh yeah, that was actually supposed to be a woman, I believe. Oh. But uh, it, could have, it could have been guy. Uh, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. Oh yeah, that was a while ago. Oh, so we've been friends for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, awesome.
3: So what? So you're a big fan of Pink Floyd. How does this fit into your your um, synchronicities like and symbolism? Pink-
1: it started at all. So when I was in, in junior high, uh, my, my brother actually dosed and I, I didn't. And he, he we had uh, the wall showed up on uh, VH1. And so he scheduled this whole thing. He's like, OK, man, we're going to watch the wall tonight, you know, with yeah. commercials. Yeah. And, oh, no. uh, you know, And so, you know, I had never seen Pink Floyd's the wall and I was a kid and it just really impacted me. Because yeah. I was like, okay, they, what do they do? They made a movie and it's on mute and it's set to their album that they made, that they produced separately. And I'm just like, wow, that's a trip, you know, That they what this is. like. And I really, really enjoyed it. It just really impacted me. And then he tells me about, oh, you know that there's this thing with Wizard of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon. I've never seen it, but, you know, whatever, it's a thing. And so I was like, what? And it just was seemed really interesting and uncanny. And so, yeah, I went on my own. I was like, okay, third roar. Okay, start Dark Side of the Moon and uh you know i was like well this is incredible like it's not just like because i was looking at it on the whole i'm like when it comes back around the third time and you got home home again i like to be here when i can yeah. and it's like right when she's back in her bed i was just like give me a break what, what are the changes <laughs> and then I, then I look further and i find out about more and uh, the valley obscured by clouds you yeah. know and i'm just like they started by doing soundtracks and then i was like is this like, is this just what they do? And so I got curious and I just started exploring when I back then in, in like, uh, I guess sixth grade. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I found. That if you play Pink Floyd Animals with Charlotte's Web, Ooh. it's just incredible. Uh, the Land Before Time and A Momentary Lapse of Reason. Uh, the Dark Crystal and Saucer Full of Secrets, which is interesting because the film came out after the album. Uh, and that, it's just these those three that I just mentioned, those are off the charts. I mean, it's it's unreal. Uh, Children of a Lesser God, actually, and The Division Bell is a thing. I know I watch um, the
2: Land Before Time one because I watch Land Before Time fucking all oh, the time. Which is the uh, album that goes <laughs> with that? The, division bell as well, or
1: they just love you know, a, a momentary lapse of oh, reason. momentary lapse of reason. Okay. And so yeah, these are all av- available on, um, you know, on, uh, the syncbook.com under sync media research. And so that's my, that's my section there. I got all the they're all for instant streaming and for free download. Uh, and so and on my Vimeo account is where I have the longer version of my, sorry, Cassandra misunderstood. Everything predicts nine 11. <laughs> it's, it, there's a, there's a version of it that's on, um, the SyncBook Press, but I can't have as many uh, gigabytes there as I can on Vimeo, actually. Um, and that's uh, Apophenia Productions on Vimeo is where that's at. But and I, I put it there as mature content because I didn't want to give them any reason. I mean, I'm already, you know, afraid with copyright stuff. I'm like, I put a year into this thing. I don't want anyone to have any excuse to take it down. Yeah, YouTube yeah. certainly won't. accept. It. I mean, they are just there's no question it was down in five minutes, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, tried to fight, fight the copyright there. But there's just so many things I'm using. I mean, the thing is loaded with. You know, I mean, it's it's layers and layers and layers and all this stuff of all these different films. And uh, some of them play for longer than two minutes. And if you do that, you know, it's like sampling, like they just go after you. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's, so so in search. I'm not getting as much traffic as I think I would otherwise or what I know I would otherwise because it's mature. Because if you don't have your Vimeo set to that, you're that you can have mature content and people don't even think to do that, then not everything's going to show up. Right. Right.
2: so yeah, I think you can put... bypass that if you if you wanted to take the time to go into each of those clips that YouTube's picking up in the algorithm and offset like the pitch or the speed by you know a, a right. minute you know a fairly minute amount, then I don't think the algorithms will catch it.
1: I don't. I think that the amount that you actually have to change it is enough for me to feel like I'm compromising the experience.
2: Yeah, it's like. So what do you figure? Yeah, that's a good point.
1: (laughs) Right. I want it to be like that. Could be the acid one. Yeah, no, no, yeah. No. I've, I've, had, I've, I've thought of that myself. I've had a lot of people pointing that out, and I just can't bring myself to do it. You know, I, it's just like as an artist, like I don't, I don't want to pixelate it or make it weird. I, d- I don't want to change the sound enough that it's even noticeable at all. And in order to make it fly, it has to be somewhat noticeable. And, uh, yeah, that's just the way it is. Huh. Uh, but Video you know iPad. what? The, anyway, the point is, instead, of, it's out there right now and I feel really good about it. And that's why I'm, um, you know, that's not why I'm talking to you guys, but that's part of it is yeah, like, yeah. you know, I don't want my thing to stay completely in the dark. I, I feel like when you create something, ultimately it doesn't even matter. Like, it's the fact that it's created. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't I don't think like what people like I say, like what people take as primary is actually the primary reality. Like, I really don't. I think that it's it's the external and they're like, oh, well, this is what makes this. So it's like, you know, Alejandro Jodorowsky, you know, who did the, the Holy Mountain and Santa Sangre and all of that. He produced a film that goes in sync incredibly with the fucking uh, Fleetwood Mac album Tusk. So he produced a film called Tusk that came out right around the same time as Tusk. Um, and it, it's, uh, it was intended to be a renounced film. So like, you know, he never planned on releasing this movie. As far as I can tell, it was just, it, and that's what it's about. Cause he got, uh, you know, um, the renunciate in the film, the Shivite, and, uh, he's literally doing the same thing. And the, the uh, elephant is symbolic of Ganesh, obviously, you know, and, uh, G- Ganesh is about luck, but not just luck. It's also just, you know, that beyond your perception of, you know of uh, the the you know the initial layers of the thing. There's actually a deeper reality, and so for him to do this huge production, which it was, uh, and then not release it for the public, and yet still have it relatively available. You know, um, just with not through any you know, official distrib- distribution. I just think like, that's, that's incredible. That shows that he was in fact, a real, a true artist, you know, like who does that? Like, I have never heard of anyone else doing that in that way uh, to the, to that level, you know, where it, but so like, I take that to heart. I'm like, okay, well I put my stuff out there. If somebody stumbles on it, cool. If I affect one person, cool. You know, it's, it doesn't. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Did you, did you put anything Pink Floyd in that movie at all?
1: Oh, in my, uh, in your seven
3: and a half an hour guy.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's all over the place. It's a hodgepodge. Of just, it's, yeah. Yeah. I, so, went, I went on a creative flow and I was like, oh, no, that's just great. Yeah. This leads to this, leads to this, leads to this. And this is what I'm dealing with. And, and there's always more that I want to add. And I, 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 it's, I've, I think I've reached a point where it's actually at the, uh, the megabyte that I can't go past. Yeah. Exactly.
3: <laughs> I was, I was obsessed with Pink Floyd as a kid. Like this was back in, in the 80s, like I saw them in 1988 in, in Vancouver, um, oh. and I was obsessed before that, like Dark Side of the Moon, obviously The Wall, Animals, all those albums, even some of the older ones that you're mentioning. Um, yeah, so you you must be a bit younger than me then, right? You caught it uh, afterwards, right? Probably in the 90s or something, or 2000s?
1: Yeah, I'm 36. 36, so. okay,
3: yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. So. Did you ever did you ever look at uh, Echoes and, and and the album Metal at all?
1: Yeah, Echoes goes in sync with Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite in 2001 A Space Odyssey. And somebody discovered <laughs> no, that wait, a long okay. time ago. Oh, and really? It's 26 minutes and 23 seconds long. They're the exact same length. Or 23 minutes, 26 seconds, yes. Um, okay, so, what, and
3: so, so it was Echoes from, in what, sorry?
1: The oh, Jupiter? So yeah so if you know in 2001 a space odyssey when he's listening to the recording it's a pre-recorded briefing made prior to your departure okay. when um haywood floyd says its origin and purpose still a total mystery referring to the monolith right after he says mystery you get the first beep of echoes to go and uh <laughs> then uh if you do that it ends on the very second that it says written and directed by stanley kubrick oh, wow and so, yeah, it's the timing of it and the fact that there was discussion with him, with Pink, with Pink Floyd around contributing to uh, a Clockwork Orange. So with the Clockwork Orange, they were supposed to do, uh, Adam Hart Mother uh, was going to be a accompanying soundtrack. And, and Pink Floyd, so this is how the story goes, according to them, is that they didn't want to divide up their song. They wanted to just play it as a full thing. They didn't like the idea of taking the suits and separating them, you know. Um, but uh the point is is that it's metal to meddle with something that isn't yours. It seems to be a joke, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when a man's an empty kettle, he should be on his metal, but oh, instead
3: that's, I'm torn apart. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Oh yeah, those are yeah. just amazing, amazing albums. That's good. I didn't know about the Clockwork Orange thing here. That's uh, that's good to know. Yeah, they yeah. were kinda it was kinda cool getting their concept albums and one of the only ones doing that back then.
1: Right. I mean, you know, it's it, it, hypnosis with uh, the hip G N O S I S. You know, those people who did all those Pink Floyd covers, they did those Led Zeppelin covers, too. You know, so you have like, how's the holy with the kids climbing up the, you know, the the mountain thing. And that's that's according to them, the artist behind that. It was supposed to be symbolic of Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clark. Oh, yeah. That's a great, uh, so- great. It
3: uh, that, that was, was a good series that just came out. On that one, three three part.
1: Oh, I, I haven't seen it, but I was tripping out on um, Ridley Scott announced at the same time that he was doing 3001 and that he's doing Jack Parsons' Sex and Rockets. Oh, wow! At the same time, and that's actually how I ended my sync book chapter was with uh, drawing that parallel between 2001 A Space Odyssey and Jack Parsons' ideas around uh, the Aeon of Horus. Uh, as a successor of Aleister Crowley, you know, uh, for Jack Parsons, you know. Yeah. And so, um, but I, I, there was something else too, uh, I forget his name, but the the guy who did Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Del Toro, um, I saw a recent interview with him, I think it was recent, but uh, he they asked him what his inspirations were, uh, and he only stated one, uh, which was uh, Jack Parsons' Sex and Rockets. Wow. And I have whole synchronicity with Pan's Labyrinth and Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Oh, wow. <laughs> Really good, and I was like, I was tripping out on that because I was like, dude, I'm like relating to that. And so, because Jack Parsons did uh, him to pan during every launch, but he's the head of JPL, he's designed yeah, all J- the that's supposed to oh, awesome. right, and he so just he's never got the him. same
3: amount of credit as Crowley, in that way, right. in the
1: occult way. Oh, in the occult way, yeah, because he's under the radar, yeah. I mean, he's in a weird position, you know, he's not hey, everybody, even though he kind of is, <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, but yeah, no, that's the point, though. Is it's like okay, so he's doing his hymn to Pan with every launch. You watch Pan's Labyrinth. You wouldn't assume that there's this occult connection in that way, because it seems like this guy made his own, you know, Greek tragedy during with the Spanish and all of this. But it, it's it's something else going on there. And and uh, actually, the the key to it is uh, another song that um, Pink Floyd produced that wasn't on any album other than that. Um, was it Zabriskie Point, I think? Uh uh the um God, I can't remember. Oh, uh shit. What's the song called? I can't yeah. remember what the song's called. Uh several small these-
3: species of small furry animals gathered together oh, gathered in a cave grouping in the pick, no.
1: That's Umaguma. This is <laughs> I'm saying that there's a few albums like uh Embryo, where if they weren't on any Pink Floyd album, they'd be on like compilations with other stuff. So like that was on works like Embryo. Um but uh Yeah, country song is what it's called Pink Floyd country song. And that's it that you put that at the beginning, uh, and then you follow it with Piper, and that's what does the trick. Because I saw that there was this gap at the beginning because I aligned it from the end. And so this is something I couldn't do when I was growing up. So I was growing up, I'd be using the LPs, and if it felt like it was off, I would fuck with the pitch, you know, and like, you know, and with VHS. You know, and now I got like pinnacle. I can just like jump around and see, oh, what happens if I change this or change this or do this? You know, and I don't change much in terms of like the, the bars are the bars. I'll just, you know, move the whole thing over, you know, and see what happens there. Uh, the, the, kind of the, just to stress that like with all of these, like, you know, a, a number of them will blow people's minds because it seems as though it's like how you can recreate the experiment. Otherwise, it wouldn't be an experiment. I'm actually trying to apply the scientific method. Because yeah, I want yeah. people to be able to be like, how did, how did that happen? Well, let's see what happens if I do it on my own and just watch the same thing happen, you know? yeah.
4: <laughs> Have
3: you, I, just, I got an email not too long ago from a guy uh, who writes for uh, Disinfo. Salvatore Richie is his name, and I don't know if you've heard of him before, but he's, he's uh, from the Jack Parsons fan club, Antichrist Megastar. And he writes some pretty yeah. interesting blogs about uh, Jack Parsons.
1: Oh, wow. Well, yeah. you know, uh, Marilyn Manson's Antichrist Superstar and Jesus Christ Superstar are a perfect match. And the key is to start the album the moment that the door of the 666 bus opens at the beginning. <laughs> if, you, if you look at the license plate in Jesus Christ Superstar, that bus at the beginning, it says 666 is a thing. Oh, and gosh. so, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's that was uh, an early one I found. And that's actually one of the ones when I was on Vimeo before I got my whole account shut down. Uh, I had 42 videos that, you know, I'm essentially lost, you know, because um, my computer fried right before that. I was just like. Sometimes I'm just dealing with the worst possible scenarios, you know, if I'm trying to do and, you know, uh, but anyways, yeah, uh was Antichrist Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar was totally going viral and uh, it was really exciting. And then it, it all just dropped away and I was like, oh,
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, J- Darren, have you ever seen Jesus Christ Superstar? No, oh, no. It's, it's really, it's quite, it's really good, actually. It's is quite it? interesting. Yeah.
2: When yeah. did it come out? Is it old? New? Yeah, it's
3: like the 70s probably. Oh, eh? Is it? Yep, yep.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's really. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a
3: musical, but it's it's crazy. Yeah,
2: like Greece.
3: It's crazy.
4: It's just it's we. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. Like, of other things too. It's it's incorporating race and all this stuff into yeah. the whole. You know, the whole. um, You know, holier than thou hippie movement. Like these people that are like, you know, they they there's attitude in it, and all of these things. Like you can see it when you watch the film, like the the subtleties, but with. Marilyn Manson's Antichrist superstar—it just really drives it home, and you can see what's what's going. On. Like I think, like that's in the movie in the first place. He's just emphasizing it, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: yeah. I gotta yeah. check some of these. Uh, these. I want to do the line Before Time one. When do I start that? At the beginning, well, you can. You-
1: yeah, you started just for when uh, universal fades out but what I'm telling you guys is that I got all these videos available for instant streaming um, on on the website and so that oh, one right there. you've
3: already done all this oh yeah
2: that's right Fuck, okay perfect. That's brilliant I, so I'm telling you guys I've <laughs> <laughs> you know. so been telling you for two hours <laughs>
1: I've, been, I've, I've I've put you know, I don't. The amount of hours that I've put into album film pairings—I oh. mean, it's my—it's been my life. Oh, I love like it. this is what I dedicated my life to. This and transcribing ancient text, You know, it's
3: like, <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I've got all these show notes, and all I got to do is just put one link in there to your to your uh, channel. That's great.
2: Yeah. How do you uh, do? You like do subscriptions or anything like that, or you do donations, or well, how do you?
1: So for um, for the Sync Book Press. You can you can with membership there you get access to all the um radio archives and all kinds of extra stuff uh from from Dropbox. Yeah. And uh yeah. but part of the stipulation with this is I was like I really am like I'm taking the position that I, I am not violating copyright because I'm doing legitimate research in a in a niche area, but it's research nonetheless. The films are, are muted for the most part. Um, well you know, ninety nine percent, right? And right. and so basically, like I'm saying, this is this is nonprofit research, and I can't remove the nonprofit. Like it has to be nonprofit, and so all of the videos are for free. Um, they're downloadable for free. They're they're streamable for free. And uh, you know that was that was a choice that wasn't really a choice because if I'm doing this, I'm not going to mess around, and uh, I don't want there to be any excuse. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. So, so people can donate then, right? Is what you're saying?
1: Yeah, people can donate, and they can they can also get memberships with uh, the SyncBook.com, which yeah, I'll say yeah. is it's actually pr- pretty freaking cool. There's a huge resource of of archives of just awesome, you know, conversations, much like this one. So, um, you yeah, know, with there all,
3: some, yeah, there's some great podcasts within your platform, right? You guys have uh, the the always record ones, and then there's uh, synchronized episodes and 42 minutes, different little. Uh, different styles right yep
1: yep yeah totally yeah And there's all kinds of other uh reading material like uh, uh alan's uh alan Green's suicide kings is in the Dropbox, so you can you know it's like it's it's an epic book that that has yet to be published and so there's you know um that that's focusing on all the ultra mega high weirdness surrounding the the kennedy assassination and um, the, the, uh, you know, story of the Fisher King incorporated into real life scenarios. It's just, I wouldn't, I would never do it justice. It's pretty over the top. You should see his, um, intrad- he has like an introductory, uh, video that's based on it, uh, that he did with Andros Jones. It's actually really good. Um, but you know, there's a whole lot of members of our community that are, are producing films and producing all kinds of really cool stuff. Um, that is, it's a, it's a plethora of things, you know?
3: Yeah, actually I wanted to just read the, the, uh, it says here from SyncBook.com. It says uh, we are a community exploring the impossible, artists and seekers looking at the interconnected nature of all things. Yeah, it's, yeah. Pretty, it's pretty cool. Exploring the synchronicity at the intersection of myths, magic, media, and mindscapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And uh, what else was I going to ask you about? Oh, the events. Are you going to any events? There's a couple of events on uh, SyncBook. Are you partaking in that?
1: Oh, I, I have been. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what we got coming up necessarily, but, uh, yeah, we did, we did the Olympia Sync Summit, uh, yeah, a, a yeah, few times one. and yeah, yeah, there's all, yeah. Uh, sometimes you'll go do a, a cabin thing, you know, ca- <laughs> cabin in the woods. Uh, <laughs> they did a thing, they did a thing in New York at one point. Yeah, no, it's just, and those are just amazing. I mean, you, the, the people getting together and it's like, if what I related to is like, if you've ever seen witches of Eastwick, when the three witches get together and the pavement cracks, you know, when they got yeah. the, the the power of, women, <laughs> of them being together, because these are like people working in high weirdness and, you know, really specialized areas. But from all these different places, you know, and when we get together, it's really powerful. You oh, know, it it's like good.
3: We're, we're getting together with a bunch of people in a cabin in the woods in, in March. The same same type of thing.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. So
3: hopefully
2: we got the power there, Darren. That's right. <laughs> Maybe we can, the power of Grayskull. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, before we start wrapping up i wouldn't mind uh going back into synchronicity for a oh, bit yeah, okay. we kind of talked about the genesis of the term did we define it or did we did we put you on the spot to define it yet
1: well, uh, there's the term synchronicity and there's the term synchromysticism. I mean, uh, synchronicity isn't a causal principle. So uh, it's basically uh, Carl Jung was just emphasizing something pretty ultimately pretty simple, which is also the basis of just about every occult school. It's just they didn't call it that. Right. So they relate to correspondences and you can extrapolate things about events or all sorts of things from the the, the cor- this correspondences. You can get other meanings. And so you can de- uh, extrapolate the inner explanation for something in a non-verbal um, way. Um, so like synchronicity is an, isn't an, is a type of insight. And so, and it's completely subjective. So it's not necessarily provable through the means that we normally use to prove something. Though, if you look at his uh, Carl Jung's book, synchronicity of uh, causal principle, you'll find that much of it is extremely scientific and he's looking at probability. And so it's very prob- prob- probability focused, you know, and, and asking the question about, like, wh- how much we influence the probability of the way that things play out, uh, much like black swan theory, where, you know, everyone thought there were no black swans in certain part of the world, you know, and then all of a sudden, after a certain amount of time, a black swan showed up and then everyone had to readjust, you know, there's things like that. It's a flying pig Thank like you can't.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, I like like something that you can't deny that's right there and you still you know, it doesn't fit in with the framework of what was previously assumed. And so that's a big thing with synchronicity, you know, um, but uh, synchronisticism is is defined differently from J. Code says it's defined by certain others like he sees it as, you know, uh, meaning being found in what would be considered the mundane or the superficial, you know, where somebody would write something off. Yet if you look deeper at it you can see that there's more to it um, but like you know uh synchronicism is really just it's it's acknowledging um, connections uh in uh in media and culture and events and that may or may not be coming from secret societies in any given case or may or may not be coming from the dynamics of the vacuum of space and the cosmos or you know or it could be you know whatever it's just that is after the fact, so like that's not mandatory to the definition of oh we're looking at connections that are appearing because of this. We're just exploring connections and uh, staying open. Right. And so you know, uh, I'm sure the way I speak at this point because I've been doing this for so freaking long and I'm so I have you know I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm so immersed in it that it's like it's hard sometimes not to give the impression that I'm like this is what this means. Uh, because I'm still open to being shown something other, yeah. and uh, that does happen. Sometimes I'll have to reevaluate huge thought tunnels or paradigms that I've created for myself, and I'm well aware that that sometimes those need to break or adjust. You know, um, it's it's I'm I'm I feel like beliefs are okay, but they need to be malleable. Uh, you can't be so stuck to your position that you're not going to see something else when it shows up. Which is a, a a huge part of what I'm trying to do here. At least yeah. my, what my intentions are with yeah. what I'm trying to do.
3: Yeah, man. And, well, that's good. It's great. I mean, we love these conversations, and it's good to chat about all your work as well. And I mean, as as you start uh, getting into this this uh, deconstruction of your <clears throat> zohar as well as if that's what it was that you were doing, we should get we should have you back on, and we'll discuss more of that. It's pretty interesting.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to give a link to. Um, <laughs> it's weird to give a link to a Dropbox thing that's written in longhand. That's not very neat. Uh, when pe- I'll tell you what, if, if somebody wants to contact me and and ask me for it, I'm not into secrecy i'm into the mysteries like i will happily share that with anybody who who would like to look at it at some point here i'd love to get it published uh at some point here i'd at least like to have it all typed out i have portions of it typed out and i can give those to people um but uh yeah it's it's such a it's a lot of writing and so it's like i'm not there yet and i'm focusing on what i'm focusing on you know um but it it exists and uh it's 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 pretty mind-blowing so yeah
3: yeah, right on. Yeah, send me a link or something. I mean, that would be that would be good. Or yeah, yeah. Well, or a copy of it or whatever, or you know, as it goes along. I mean, it's great to get people to look at this too. Absolutely. You never know. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, good luck with that.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I can't wait to you try
3: out some of your Pink Floyd videos. I'm super. Pumped oh sure. Out. Yeah.
1: Nice. Yeah. yeah enjoy. <laughs> right on. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to
2: that too. At some point this weekend. <laughs> yeah. You prefer, cool. uh, sh- is it better if I eat some psychedelics?
1: Uh, you can't go wrong, really. I mean, uh, for me, I'm kind of like psychedelically oriented in the first place, you know, <laughs> like I'm just like that. Like I was like that as a kid, you know, not to say I, I haven't done done that my share of that in my existence, you know, but I'm just I'm a, I'm a high weirdness, you know, kind of guy. And so uh, but yeah, no, hey, you know, doesn't it doesn't hurt. Not mandatory.
3: And yeah, there's a seven and a half hour one waiting for you, Darren.
1: Perfect. That's
2: about the yeah. That would about give you just enough time. You know, to, you have to drive home. Just enough time to like eat my mushrooms, enjoy my mushrooms, and like curl up on the couch and wait to fall asleep. And I'd probably just fall asleep as the end credits roll. Thing.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Or I'm like right. naked.
3: Kind right me, on. So. Well, thanks for coming on, David.
2: Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah, it's this been a, awesome.
3: It's been a blast.
2: Learned a ton.
1: Cool. Cool. I mean, yeah, well, thank yeah, this you. this was How a blast. An we... absolute yeah.
2: blast. Big thanks yeah. for coming on short notice too
1: yeah oh you got it yeah
2: no well, problem. i think the actually actually the the invite was like six months old yeah but yeah i do that all the time too i'll find like every once in a while i'll pop into this weird little facebook message area and there'll be all these messages there <laughs> that for that's totally reason, what happened facebook i just stumbled on it achieve. i was
1: like really how did i never see this okay cool well i guess i'll respond so yeah, yeah it worked well,
3: out well yeah it's good timing yeah all right buddy well we'll keep in touch and uh, we'll send you a link when it comes out
2: all right.
3: Thank you. Right
2: on. Okay. Thanks a lot. Ciao. <laughs> and that was our chat with David Charles. Pleyat. Plate. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh, was, That was, that like was one amazing. Of the fucking. Neither of us really had any idea. You know what happened is I think I just like Googled synchronicity.
3: No. Or sync. No, or no, no, syncbook, no, no. Somebody sent, sent a sync book. Someone sent sync book. Yeah. Someone, it wasn't Clint. And then we were like, who do we get but on? It wasn't from Clint.
2: That? I asked Clint. He said it wasn't him. Yeah. I but, can't remember who it was. Whoever that was, let us know. Yeah.
3: And it's great that people do that too because we do try and follow up and we do always uh, watch we stuff. Would have never mean, never it's have hard found to keep up guy, on right? it, but it's, it's yeah, you can't just find everything, right? We never and would I mean, have found this guy if it wasn't for a listener. And it's another fresh episode with cool, you know, fresh research. And it's, um even though we've talked about a lot of this occult symbolism stuff, it's um, mind blowing stuff. I,
2: I was blown away. I learned lots of that. Yeah, That was a fun one. Crazy. Yeah. Great one. So big thanks to uh, David for coming on the show. Short notice. Um, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, I think he's off to like the Europe right away too. Yeah. The next be, he wasn't yeah. available because he's out of here.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah.
2: So that's perfect. So big thanks to him for that. Big thanks to you guys. Big thanks to our supporters. Uh, of whom we got a few more. We could always use a few more. Uh, you guys really do help us pay the bills, and uh, yeah, thanks for subscribing. Keep things on track. Pay off Graham's credit card debt that uh, we wrapped yeah, up it starting down. the show. <laughs> well, we're only going to pay off the show portion. Yeah, and uh, then not uh, the clip on uh, nipple portion. <laughs> 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 see by nobody probably listens to the outro yeah exactly
3: it's a good thing <laughs> yeah you just keep
2: those things to yourself that's right so of course check out slash support for all the different ways you could help us out there it really does the help yeah and check out the show notes there's a link there and uh, help us keep having these chats uh i think that's about it there's all the other stuff you can do in the list that we probably talked about in the intro already but seriously do all that shit because it helps thanks Thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week.
0: Good score from a synchronicity. Graham reads it out,
1: then Darren might give it to me. Hey, don't you please read it low? Yeah. yeah.